Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitball and Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and that is it for today. No slight on you, Keenan, just uh, I think the first two-man pod on here since me and TK did one of the Christmas ones, so a considerable amount of time ago. Mm. Nice. So, uh, Didn't, yeah, it's normally, uh, normally a bit more of an ensemble job, isn't it? Exactly. Um, so the pressure is kind of well and truly on our shoulders. The matchup we'll be getting into today is 1993's Jurassic Park versus 2000's Dude, Where's My Car? So another bit of a uh, style clash, shall we say, uh, compared to some of the others we've had. Um, I will say now, uh, if Keenan's not his usual uh, charming self, if uh, that's how others would describe him, uh, on here, you have had some uh, bad news today, Keenan, through no fault of your own, as far as we know. You're yeah. uh, stuck indoors for England, Scotland. And England, Czech Republic. Oof. Mm. That's even worse. I've got, I've got a day off on my plan for the day. was to meet you before uh, England, Czech Republic. Yeah, I sorry, I should have made that clear. That was why I was texting you. Because if not, I'd probably oh. figure out. Um, oh. Yeah, England, Czech Republic, gone out the window. England, Scotland... They booked off work. Tables booked in pubs early. Well, that's the thing. Like, as much as uh, it would have been uh, nice to see you, England, Scotland is really the one. I'm under no illusions there. I'm not trying to uh, paint the picture that I'm more excited for the Czech Republic game, even if I am seeing you. And I wouldn't expect you to be that way, uh, even if you're seeing me beforehand. Uh, the Scotland Tuesday. one's the big one. I had Tuesday, Wednesday booked off ready to go for the Czech Republic, mate. Yeah, I mean, I've got. I, I, I had uh, time left to take it work. My holiday there is done in like uh, hours. Mm. Um, so yeah, I finish at ten fifty-seven on Tuesday. I'm still taking tomorrow off work. I'm not working for all. Fuck that. No. Um, I may still take Tuesday, Wednesday off. To be honest, we'll see. I'll get out of the way now. As much as things are, you are a bit rustly. I don't know if you're uh, getting a bit frantic there, getting worked up in the situation. This no. is the kind of wrestling I've not heard in uh, weeks. Oh. There you go. It seems to be in and out, but it's like you're having a little swim through some leaves. No, I'm not moving or doing anything special. It was like you were shaking yourself off then, uh, getting back into it. Um, have you got your fan on as well? Yeah. Have you got it positioned the same way you did last week? I've not heard it in the last two weeks. Yes, I'm literally sat in the same spot I've sat in for the last 18 months at half past six on a Thursday. Harper and Sean must drown it out usually. I can hear it uh, a lot stronger than uh, previous weeks. I, but, I, yeah, I for don't if, uh, move for this hour and a half. I just sit in fear of your... I'm rev- saying, I can hear rustling and fanning. It's a double whammy. So we do have Jurassic Park to get into first. Um, the synopsis I have here, a pragmatic paleontologist visiting an, visiting an almost complete theme park is tasked with protecting a couple of kids after a power failure causes the park's cloned dinosaurs to run loose. 
I don't think I'd seen this probably since I was quite literally a kid. Like, no, I'm not even talking like teenage years. Like, I I could remember a couple of set pieces from this film, and that was really about it. I remember this. This remember the T Rex intro um, being the big one, and I randomly really, really remember Richard Attenborough's character. But after that, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't have told you a lot about it. No, um, I remember the theme even more so by the fact that we've mentioned it a couple of times over the last uh, few weeks. Um, strangely, I much. strangely, I don't, it's not been in my head at all. I think Buster Move from uh, Dude Where's My Car has replaced it because I, <laughs> I must have said she says hello about fifteen times, fifteen, sixteen times last night. It'll be an interesting one when we get to the soundtrack. Well, I can confirm now that neither Jack or Sean have sent me a scorecard. So it really is whoever we want to go through is getting the pass today. So <laughs> we've got uh, complete freedom here. Um, critics' reviews for Jurassic Park. Uh, what Spielberg and company did with Jurassic Park was deliver a true classic for the ages. We'll get into this. <laughs> Altogether, Jurassic Park is an excellent example of how special effects are best used to support a good story, not supplant it. An economic necessity of securing a PG certificate for what is essentially a horror film has been allowed to intervene in the storytelling, so that the tone is constantly disrupted by an incongruous reassurance. Joe, I'm not sure what the word incongruous means. I guess, well, I don't want to predict and embarrass myself, but I think I know what it means, but I'll... uh... I think I do, but I, much like yeah. you, I don't want to say and sound like <laughs> a fool. I'd rather just sound like a fool from the off by not trying. Uh, we asked for two things from big budget thrillers like this. Make us believe and make us jump. Jurassic Park delivers on both counts. These are all reviews from uh, 93. Okay, nice. I like that. I'm a big fan. It's in, um, always more interesting to see what it's like at the time. Yeah, some get mixed in where uh, you get like a re-release like mm. for blu-ray or 3d because i had to filter through a lot where they were saying like this film should have been made for 3d didn't translate as well and it's like that isn't really added we're not watching it 3d now so that adds literally nothing to what we're doing there um and finally jurassic park is a how-to guide for structuring a multi-character disaster film yeah fair um so there we go. I've got some trivia. I have tried to like filter it um, as much as possible because I think I said to you in the week the the amount uh, there was was insane. Like it was taking like it could have taken me like hours to get through. Um, so there we go. Uh, trivia then. So the T Rex occasionally malfunctioned due to the rain. Producer Kathleen Kennedy recalls. The T-Rex went into the heebie-jeebies sometimes, scared the crap out of us. We'd be eating lunch, and all of a sudden, the T-Rex would come alive. At first, we didn't know what was happening, and then we realised it was the rain. You'd just hear people start screaming in the distance. Try and have a nice start lunch, and you got a T-Rex go mental. Yeah, um, not ideal. The Tyrannosaurus roars were a combination of dog, penguin, tiger, alligator, and elephant sounds. Hmm. Didn't know penguins roared. Uh, no, I didn't either. Uh, Michael Crichton intended John Hammond to be a dark Walt Disney. 
he's the author of the Jurassic Park book. Did you know I found that out yesterday? And I was a little so embarrassed. <laughs> I did while I was doing the research, so uh, we're on the same footing. Universal Pictures then, so they, they paid him $2 million for the rights to the book before it was even published. It doesn't... Um, in the book, I... I've got a bit more about the book. So. Oh, okay, I was going to say, we might be saying the same thing. I was, uh, but I'm sure in the book, uh, John John Hammond dies, I believe. I don't have that down, so that's interesting if that is the case. What, what I was going to say to you was, and I think I've asked this before, and I think neither of really have an answer, but a bit later down, I think I have something where they, they say about 20% of what's in the book basically makes it to the film due to runtime and budget constraints and that kind of thing. I still don't really understand why they need to buy the book and adapt a screenplay in that case, because surely there's no like copyright on dinosaurs coming back to life. I don't see why they can't save money. I, I, would Im- I never understand it. I'd imagine it's the, this, the human element, if you will. You are right, yeah. You could change it. I don't know which is if it's not a copyright. Would he have a case for if someone does make a film about a dinosaur theme park? If he wanted to make the case and say, "Look, this is quite clearly taken from my idea," yeah. and does he does he put the work in? I mean, America being the litigious society that that it is, is it easier to if you're a big studio that's got a lot? Is it easier to pay the two mil and just get yeah, them out of the way, yeah. or do you take do, do you run the gauntlet? I suppose. Yeah, I get what you're saying because I've always thought like. Say, say Spielberg just wants to say, not credit the, the little guy and say, you know, we've had this great idea, Dino Park, dinosaurs mm. come back to life. Well, I never know how much of a thing they have because it's not like they're paying two million because they like the characters' names. Like, that's the sticking point. That's just always mm. been the bit. And I'm sure you could be creative enough to come up with a couple of ideas to make the script work. No, I'm sure. I, I mean, the other thing is, like, 20%. So yeah. they're, say, they're saying they've paid him two mil for 20% of an idea. Well, also, um, which I thought you were referring to then, he basically, he didn't negotiate. Um, so when a word got out about this book that he was writing, I think he'd written other things before that, that kind of caught on. Um, and he just basically said, look, flat fee, $2 million, and a significant portion of the gross is what uh, he said. I don't know what that is. Even ten percent is probably significant in this kind of thing. Um, yeah, but he does very well out of it. So fair play. So, oh yeah. Oh, strange. Isn't it? I mean, I don't. I'd like to know what position I. I don't know what I'd do in these positions because we've spoken about it before. Way way back when, when we did the Hangover, when we spoke about Tom Tom Phillips waving waving his yeah. fee and taking points on the back end. So he could get the budget he wanted. Yeah. But I, I don't. I'm always interested. What would you do? Like, if someone said you could have two mil and two percent, or we'll we'll give you ten mil and say no more. What do you do? Like, how much faith? I'm quite honest in that I'm not really a back myself kind of guy. I, okay, I'm nice. I'm one where say you put a sevenfold upper on a three come in. I'm looking at that cash out whether I take it or not. I I, I fear more. Than not having any money than having the miss out on the kind of the grand total, but still having some. So mm. I think if I was in one of these positions, which isn't going to happen, you'd probably hear some horror story for me down the line. Like, you know, they offered him 10% of the, of the movie's uh, 
total take afterwards, and it said he took the 200,000, it went on to gross like 200 billion pounds. Um, that's the kind of way that I think I would be. But when you're in that position, and it's interesting he agreed to this, I think the Todd Phillips one, after he then kind of had his cast, that makes a bit more sense. Like if he can look at it and like, we've got some gold here, it's probably a lot easier than if you're doing it right at the start. Yeah, that is true. It's a, it's an odd one though, isn't it? It's um, don't know. Well, I've never, I've never shown it. I, I think it would depend. I, was, I know it's a stupid question, but I suppose it's how much does two million mean to you? Well, I had a bit further down the line, but we can, we can get to it now. So it's easy to say it's not all about the money when you're getting two million, but he could easily have kind of had people bidding for this. Like this was a big thing apparently in the kind of movie trade. Like there were directors that were kind of really desperate to get this. And so when Spielberg got it, there was a lot of people kind of kicking themselves. Ah, I wish I'd got that. James Cameron came out years later and said he wanted this script and he didn't get it. Spielberg got there first. And he said it wouldn't have been what you see today. It would have been basically like Alien. He wanted to have like a horror film basically with these people trapped in an amusement park with dinosaurs just tearing people to shreds. And with Arnie as the main character, which sounds like a sensational film, if we could have gone back and seen that. It does. You're but he right. says, in the long run, essentially, dinosaurs, whether you like it or not, are associated with kids. And he said, it's easy to say now, he felt like he would have taken a lot away from kids if the first big dinosaur blockbuster in years that isn't a Godzilla is essentially then an 18-rated alien ripoff with dinosaurs. I was just going to say, I was just genuine. I, I was very close to saying the same. I think Spielberg ultimately makes the right choice by turning it into a kid's, into yeah. aimed at a younger audience. Would I Would I rather have last night sat and watched Arnie fight dinosaurs? So <laughs> yeah. Basically Predator, but with dinosaurs. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Um, Especially trapped in a theme park. There's something about, like, if, if I was doing it in his shoes and it was like a theme park with dinosaurs, like, there's something about the few films I can remember is some of them I can't even tell you the name, but just fights taking place around like roller coasters and even just the end of Zombieland when they're in like the fairground. There's just something about it, it always looks cool when it's all lit up and things like that. He could have had a ball yeah. with this, uh, Cameron, but when you run the at, um, he, he uh, I was just gonna say, when when he doesn't do this, he then puts the attention into Titanic, so. Yeah, All's probably, well that ends well. <laughs> yeah, he probably don't feel too bad about it. I was just going to no. say, I was thinking when you mentioned the fairground, I think the last episode of The Punisher is like, yeah. like even that looks amazing. Unreal. Yeah, there's something about it. Um, but everyone's a winner here. Cameron puts everything into Titanic, and that, for a brief period of time, Jurassic Park's the highest, uh, uh, made the like highest grossing film of all time. Titanic then takes over that mantle, so. They both uh, they both did well out of it. Yeah, I'd um, say so. Steven Spielberg wanted the Velociraptors to be about 10 feet tall, which was taller than they were known to be. Um, according to an artist involved in production, Spielberg requested this because he was unhappy with the size of what he considered to be uh, the largest, and I heard this word pronounced earlier, I'm about to butcher it, the largest dromaeosaurid or something like that, essentially the largest dinosaur-like creature at the time 
this wasn't going to match up to what he wanted it to be. So he stretched it out just for the purpose of making it look a bit more scary. Mm. Okay. Going through that a bit there. Um, Spielberg also said he wanted the uh, dinosaurs to be bird-like. For example, kind of snapping to attention like a chicken, he described it. Um, he essentially said that he just wanted them to be as scary as possible, essentially. like He wanted the raptors to be able to turn their heads behind them, which they couldn't actually do. And all these things just to, even though he's making a kid's film, he didn't want to have it like Land Before Time. And I do have a thing about other dinosaur-related things there, but it wasn't a kid's film in that sense. It was just a film that kids could see. I used to like the Land um, Yeah, for sure. But Spielberg, he's not going to have uh, one of them that has a voice like uh, a stoner in in, in that film, chasing down after the kids, eating grass along the way. No. Uh, do you, do you like this more if they talk? I mean, it's a very different film, but I kind of don't want to give too many of my thoughts on this film just yet because okay. I think we might be largely similar. But I've got a couple of points as to how it could have changed. Um, okay, uh, Harrison Ford was offered and turned down the role of Dr. Alan Grant. He felt the part just wasn't right for him. He said after seeing the movie, um, he made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> Like, He's essentially a bloke, isn't he, that's made a living out of, like, adventure fantasy films, yet absolutely seemingly despises them. just hates it. But I I don't know if he's looking at it thinking, oh, because I don't think, because well, he comes up a lot. I mean, he's probably come up five or six times saying he's... Yeah, especially around this time. Yeah, in this bracket. And he's like, every time, he's like, oh, no, I made, made the right choice, made the right choice. Do you think he does just hate the film, or just do you think he's actually being quite no, quite realistic and just saying, oh, I, I couldn't have done that? I don't know, because he spoke before about, like, <laughs> essentially he did an interview where he was like, he doesn't really get it when, like, Star Wars fans come up to him and want to talk to him about theories, etc. And it's like, it's a film. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> this kind of thing. Like, he doesn't really get the whole fandom type of uh, those things with Star Wars. For, for a start, it's like a, one of the biggest it could ever be. Like, yeah, I imagine he doesn't want a bloke coming up to him dressed as a Jedi, whereas Mark Hamill might appreciate it a bit more. Yeah, well, I um, understand that. That's where me and Harrison have probably <laughs> share our biggest similarities. I don't want a bloke dressed as a fucking Jedi. I, coming in and in. I think the most accurate representation we've ever seen of him. Did you, did you ever watch Bruno? Where he essentially is <laughs> in it for like 30 seconds where Bruno yeah. asks him a question. He's like, fuck off. Yeah, I feel like that's just him. Like this is that's the most accurate take we've ever seen of him on screen. Because as much as he doesn't like these films, he does keep coming back. I imagine it's because people keep offering to him, and they keep putting they keep putting numbers in front of him. Yeah, yeah, that make your eyes water, and he thinks, "Fuck it." He probably just goes. I'm doing Indiana Jones now. Yeah, he wants to pack right in. But, I mean, he's, he's basically he's basically there off for the face now, isn't he? He's not doing any of the stunts or anything anymore. He's probably not doing any of the walking. He definitely well, prefers more, though, like, if you look around this time, he's also done in a similar kind of frame as Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Blade Runner. He has done The Fugitive, and he's done Air Force One, and he's done Patriot Games, and he's done that and Firewall and things like that. And I feel like he definitely enjoys that a lot more yeah, I mean, I, I, he, he probably is an action star on the balance of probability, but he's not if it makes sense. Well, he, he's, he's you don't compare. Sh- sorry, sorry, I was gonna say you don't compare Harrison Ford to Stallone, 
Schwarzenegger, even your some of your lower ones, if He's you will. He's in the Bruce Willis camp, isn't he? Would you say? No, because I was. I see. I was. I'm going to move on to Willis because I think Willis is. They're probably both hybrids, but Willis leans to more towards action for me, and Harrison Ford leans more away from it. But if you look at him, the way he talks, the way he walks, the things he does. I think he made cho- he made I mean I don't think he's made he obviously hasn't made bad choices I mean Jesus the man's made enough money to be happy yeah. for the rest rest of his life his grandkid his great grandchildren's life but I don't think of him as an action star but I look at him and when I go back and watch when we're watching The Fugitive and that's even like that post Star Wars one though yeah like Joe he's, he's he's well along his way there you just think how are you not how are you not he, an action star he's kind of like. Uh... I'm probably wording this horribly. He's like on the edge of believability for those kind of roles. Like you look at Stallone and and Arnie, and you very much can believe that these guys can fight off the twenty blokes that they're in there with. Whereas mm. you you employ a Willis or a, a Ford, what about Liam Neeson? Because of their charisma kind of coming through. Well, Liam Neeson wasn't really an action guy, was he? Until like 2008. I mean, no, this is my point, but then um, no one really questions, like, for, in Taken, for example, when he's battering those five blokes in the kitchen, we spoke about fairgrounds, you know, kind of fair about <laughs> fights in kitchens. Um, you're telling me you believe old man Neeson's throwing their hands, but people do. So no, no, no reason why Ford couldn't have done it. your poison situation, and, like, I look in one room, and Harrison Ford's in there, and I look in the other room, and Liam Neeson's in there, and there's some voiceover at Tano going, go and scrap one of them if you want to live. I'm probably picking the Harrison Ford room over the Liam Neeson room. Really? And I think I could take both. You do, you do. Yeah. Well, the, the Liam Neeson one just reminds me, and I've said before, I've not seen that many Family Guy episodes, but an episode that always springs to mind for me is that Peter's in, in the pub, and he says, I could kick Liam Neeson's ass. And they're like, no, you couldn't. And they get to the point where they set him up to be in a position to have to fight Liam Neeson. But that just gets me each time. And he's got the most horrific Irish accent in the episode. I think it is actually Liam Neeson, right? If it is, then he's definitely hamming up his voice. Or So he uh, doesn't make too much of an effort usually to hide it, does he? <laughs> Maybe... Maybe I'm wrong, and there is someone doing it because there was a thing about you a million ways to die in the West. Yeah. Well, Liam Neeson ended up in that because Family Guy did a joke. Or maybe this was part. Of, they've made a couple of jokes about him. One of them, they made a joke about him being an Irish cowboy. Okay. And then he ended up. They were like, "We want him in the film because we really like him. We think he'd be good as a thing." And he was, like, "Yeah, it's fine, but I want you have to make me an Irish cowboy, basically." And that's how he ended <laughs> up in the film. So he does. He does obviously know. Has, he does has, know him. Has that just been put on like Netflix or something recently? Because I hadn't heard anything said about it since it came out. And then recently, I've heard it mentioned like four or five times from different people. Just you see that million ways to die in the West, such and such. This happens in it. And I just don't know if it's recently been put on a streaming service. Uh, it's been on Netflix for, or it might have been taken off. It was on Netflix for ages. And my brother just mentioned it recently, and like it just caught me off guard. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rush to it in any eventuality mate, to be no. they kind of they did Ted didn't they and they were like Seth you can basically make any film you want at this point and then took very quickly took that power away from him afterwards yeah it's they a are, shame really they are making Ted into a TV series now though so you get um, his money somewhere. animated or 
Uh, live action, I won't be getting Wahlberg, surely. Uh, I don't think so. I, I didn't see a, a, a significant actor attached to it when I saw the little uh, press release. Mm. Um, but we're saying Harrison Ford made the right decision here uh, by not jumping into Jurassic Park. I, I would say so. Was, um, which role did I say he was going to be? So he's going to be the main guy, um, Sam Neill's role. Um, so yeah, I think uh, he made the right choice. A couple of other uh, casting what-ifs. Uh, so Sean Connery was offered the role of John Hammond based on his performance as Professor Henry Jones in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He turned it down. So after he turns it down, they clearly had uh, big hopes. They offer it to uh, Clint Eastwood and Marlon Brando. Eastwood, yes. Marlon Brando, no. Do, do you think because in the uh, Hammond role, Richard Attenborough, He's kind of supposed to be his first, as much of a smart guy as he comes across a bit like bumbling, doesn't he? It's like, he knows what he's doing, but he's not the guy that's going to be enforcing any of this. He's a bit mad. Can you can you see Eastwood or Brando doing that? Uh, Brando, yes. But it looks like they just want probably, an old guy at the time. <laughs> Brando, yes, but probably for bad reasons, because he was probably going a little bit mad. Eastwood, maybe not, but I just don't see Marlon Brando doing it at that, at that stage. I mean, he would have been a fair, fair age. Yeah. Um, Steven Spielberg oversaw the post-production of this movie via video link while in Poland filming the Holocaust theme Schindler's List. He later called it one of the hardest times in his life as a filmmaker as it took such an emotional toll on him that his enthusiasm for the movie had almost waned. He said he needed an hour a day just to muster up the energy to comment on digital dinosaurs and answer trivial questions after looking at the Holocaust all day. Can you blame him? No, no it's quite a take. Um, I'm, I don't be funny, but Schindler's List must have been a fucking must have been a rough shoot. And then to someone to say, how do you think this dinosaur's moving? Do you think this T Rex? Uh, do you think the neck's long enough for that? Guy? Yeah. I mean, give him his due. Like, I mean, like, get, like, say what you will about the bloke. I know people say he's a bit like of an oddity, but I mean, he's made Schindler's List. Smash the Oscars, yeah. then at the same time, from the other side of the world, he's making Jurassic Park, which regardless yeah. of what you think of it... I imagine a video link believe... call wasn't as pleasant in 1993 either as it is now. <laughs> no, no one in that town in Poland or the square mile radius they're in in LA can pick up a phone. You think of so many issues we have when we're doing yeah. a Zoom call. I know, no one can pick up a phone because the dial-up would die. Like, it, it's, it is brilliant, to be fair. I mean, he's made those two, A, simultaneously, which is ridiculous, yeah. and B, like, how he's done it. You know what I mean? Give, give him on his credit. That's unreal. But it seems a bit, to some extent, like, a lot of filmmakers do, maybe their enthusiasm starts to leave a bit during the post-production. And I've seen before that some have to take themselves away, like, um, John Hughes in Ferris Bueller like, he, he just left near the end of post-production and just left it to the editor to finish like they had to get some voice work done and he just said he couldn't look at the film anymore until it was finished because he just slaved over it that long that he was just going to pick the whole thing apart because he was just sick of everything by that point so and I oh, imagine I think that's, the other thing that's is... a lot easier to digest than Jurassic Park <laughs> yeah very fair but I also think the other thing is so if you're a director, you're on set every day. I know you get your, your like your daily back, and we've spoken to directors about your yeah. daily show. You go in and look at the footage every day. 
maybe we can tweet this, maybe we can tweet we that. quite legit when we say that, don't we? We do, yeah. It's quite uh, the best one for the best one for the listeners is, and if you ever if you ever get a chance to see our interviews, please do. Uh, when people talk to us like we know the film business, <laughs> yeah. all of us do. A, all of us do like a subtle look down trying was, to find um, the other one on camera. JB Rogers, wasn't it, when we did the uh, American Pie one? He's like, I don't need, I don't need to tell you guys about what goes on. <laughs> yeah, he he gave us a lot more credit than we deserved, <laughs> and probably wanted because he kept saying oh i don't need to tell you guys um and I, secretly i was going no please 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 tell me but i didn't want to ask and didn't want to ask look, and look like we're, we're guys that can guy. do both the interview before that we had a guy saying that he had his own podcast about which people he would kill like mm. <laughs> he was debating as would you really kill bin laden like you personally yeah so, i uh i uh, i just but it's fun when people do give us that credit but yeah. like Oh, it must be hard watching a third party come in and, like, as an editor, just be like, yeah, I like this shot, or oh, this shot's awful. And just essentially, you, you're as part of the director in the studio, are paying someone to dissect every second of your work. Yeah. And that must, but after a while, if you and the editor don't get on, that must break you after a while. Well, the interview that we, we've not released yet, that me and Jack did, because we, we spoke to an editor, we were asking him about it, and he said essentially as an editor, you kind of have to be confident enough to challenge some of these ideas, because that's what they want you there for, they don't want you there to just nod your head, because you're not that he said if you look down the list of films that are, that are winners and ask how many of them the, the editor just kind of nodded their head and did what they were told you're not going to find very many of them the, the, the director needs that bit of a challenge from you to say, you sure? you sure that's the best way to go about it? Because you see some films sometimes, don't you, where I'm trying to think of an example, but The Revenant would be my go-to, but I know I'm quite singular there in that opinion, but there's some where it seems like nobody's told the director, like, did we really need this extended eight-second shot across the water here? Did we need this? And you can imagine, as a director, if you take a shot like that, you're going to want it. It's like me with some of this trivia sometimes when we do in the week. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want, if I've got the trivia, I kind of want to use it. And I imagine that's how some of it is for these editors. Like, if I've gone to the work of, uh, if I, the directors, if I've gone to the work of having this. Yeah, that's why I always feel bad about criticising it. Because I, you're well aware, and I would imagine at this stage, of, uh, our repeated listeners might be well aware that Byron puts a lot more effort into his preparation for a Thursday evening than I do. Got to be done. My, my, my preparation consists of watching two films hey, that's more than can be said for some <laughs> there are there have been weeks where i may have skipped the film uh i will Don't tell, tell you that now no i not this week this bracket i've not seen half them so i've got to watch them i told you at the time when <laughs> i did, didn't bother watching anchorman because i didn't need to well what else have we got here there's not much trivia left um oh yeah so we were talking about what directors made earlier so this made 402 million in the US and just over a billion worldwide. Steven Spielberg made 250 million from this movie, the largest sum any individual has made from a movie. So that two, million that? He, that two million he spent. Mm. Don't, worry, don't worry about it. <laughs> Take that out of my share if you need to. What do you do after that if you're Spielberg? She talks about losing the passion for film. I've just made a quarter of a billion. All right, yeah. fine. 60% of it, 70% of it goes elsewhere. 
quite odd well, taxes, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I still walk away even on that basis with $75 million. I'm done. The worst thing is these are the blokes that will look you dead in the eye and say, look, it's not about the money for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not when, you, when you're handling between 220 and 250 million. Yeah, this is, this is my point about Michael Crichton is how much, like that's the question I asked at the start, do you take a little with the promise of more or do you just take the guaranteed middle sum maybe? Well, he took both to be fair. Yeah, it, I just think it depends how much does it mean, how much does it mean to you? Michael Crichton, he'd already, he'd already written the book, it was a bestseller, etc., which is why they bought it. He's probably they, they, made... they bought the book before it was released. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I'd take that yeah. back then. Um, well, it, it, you know, but he's probably he's probably released other things. He's probably doing okay. Yeah, for sure. He, you'd have to imagine he's a net. He's have to be a decent name. He oh, wrote. Um, I know something else he's written. Yeah, ER. ER, I think it was called um, the TV show. He wrote that. Okay. Um, and, well, and then Spielberg was going to do that, and then heard about this other thing he was doing. He was like, right, I'll be taking that instead. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's probably fine for money, which is why you can he probably takes a chance. If you're, I don't know, a young youngish lad of our age, twenty five, twenty six, and this is your project, and someone's offering you a good whack of money, you probably can't turn it down. But as no. you say, they they do say it's not about the money, but yeah. some films, you, Spielberg can no longer ever say that to me since Indiana <laughs> Jones and the, the the Crystal, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, because yeah. that is just a flat out money grab. Yeah. I've got only a couple other bits of trivia. So, except for a couple of brief glimpses in the opening scene, the adult velociraptors, which are the most memorable dinosaur in the movie, don't make an on-screen appearance until over one hour and 43 minutes into the movie. Um, a couple of the cast in What Ifs, uh, Sandra Bullock, Gwyneth Paltrow, Julianne Moore and Elizabeth Hurley auditioned for the role of Ellie Sattler. Do you take your girl, Sandy B? There's Laura Dern. Instead, um, but yeah, of the ones there, she probably fits. The, she may even fit the role better than uh, Laura Dern mm. on paper. She After could well her, probably Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, she's the ginger, isn't she? Yeah. Sorry, that's a place for my mind. Yeah, fair. Jim Carrey was considered for the role of Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's role. Mm. No, no, thank you. I like uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Um, Charlie Sheen was considered for the role of Nedru, which is Wayne Knight's role. Do you go on board more or less? Well, I've got a point on this, which I can give you now, because um, Wayne Knight's role, I, I thought it was a strange casting, and more so because we did Space Jam last week. Mm. Um, and I know this comes before Space Jam, which actually confused me a bit more with the casting of him in Space Jam. Because you'd think you're getting a significant kind of crossover of your audience between these two films. Yeah. So it seems it just seems strange of like the list of what they were going for in Space Jam that we found out last week. So then go to this guy who's probably certainly to that audience most notable as being the guy that was trying to take dinosaurs off the island and gets ripped apart. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd one, but he does both roles. Charlie Sheen, you know my thoughts. I'm a Charlie Sheen man. Um, you want to compare me? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you've got some similar facial expressions. Yeah, I still don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, to me, it's a good, to me it's a good thing. It might not be to you. But I, yeah, you know, no one's thoughts on two and a half men. I, I don't see why shows like uh, Friends 
are so revered when two and a half men's a better show. Uh, I can't say I particularly like either of them. I will say, to go however, back and check out some Sheen two and a half men. I was just going to say, I will say, however, I did watch Friends in its entirety for the first time when it was added to the UK Netflix. UK Netflix. Yeah. Um, and I was meh. It was okay. Jennifer Anderson just kept you coming back, and that was that was about it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Courtney Cox guy. Me and Sean have had this debate before. I think I flip flopped, um, but partly probably because I just didn't want to jump on the Jennifer Aniston wagon. It was a bit. It was a bit crowded there after uh, We're the Millers. We're the Millers, were they? Oh, horrible bosses. You'd have thought might have been the one. We're the, yeah. We're the Millers was when they kind of hyped up that she had that scene in there. So I think if you were buying stocks, I'd say they're probably. She has more of a role in that as well. Mm. She's just filthy and horrible bosses. Jennifer Aniston's stock share, stock prices. Let us know which one was higher. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal was among those considered for the role of Tim, Mm. the young kid at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just okay. He's not. It's just people will not. I mean, he's not Jake Gyllenhaal at that point. No, no, no. couple of things that could have been done differently. So Samuel L. Jackson was supposed to fly to Hawaii to film Arnold's death scene, but a hurricane destroyed the set and the scene had to be scrapped. So if you ever wondered why he kind of dies off screen, that's why. Um, they didn't have a set left for them to be able to film it on. Um, he was going to be physically chased by them and then ripped apart. Um, he really wanted to do it and uh, wasn't able to. Nice. I can uh, see him that. Yeah, Wayne Knight felt that Nedry deserved to die, but it bothered him that it happened off camera and wasn't as gory as it was in the novel. Um, in the novel, he's decapitated. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you 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 just can't do it. You, you <laughs> can't. You, you, you unfortunately can't have both. You can't make a kids' film and have someone's head getting locked off. Well, he gets blown up a couple of years later in Space Jam, so everyone's a winner. Um. If we do the, the scene by scene, obviously we won't go through the whole two-hour duration, but I've kind of taken the description of the scene um, and go from there. So, after a dinosaur handler is killed by a velociraptor, the park's investors, represented by a lawyer, Donald Gennaro, demand that experts visit the park and certify its safety. <laughs> do you not know all you need to know by that first sentence? Yeah. Like, it's um, not safe. <laughs> I don't know what getting him in is going to tell you. No, um, you're not bringing in the dinosaur version of Ghostbusters, are you? You're, you're bringing in a quantity no. surveyor, um, and a quantity surveyor, probably another lawyer, and that's about it. Someone's just been killed by a dinosaur. At that point, you say, "Look, we tried. Let's go away. We'll come back. We'll come back another day." You were quite a fan of the first scene. You said to me yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I actually like the beginning. Both of these films peak quite early for me, it must be said. Have, have you seen the new Jurassic Park films of Chris Pratt? No, sir. Okay, so I'm a lot more familiar with those, and I know that's like put me up on a stake or whatever in terms of Jurassic Park fandom. And as awful as this is to say, it, once you've seen what the effects can do for a dinosaur, it is a bit rough going back to seeing these where Spielberg supposedly didn't want to go all in with the uh, special effects. So this is why you've kind of got some machinery that they use, and you can kind of tell their machines in the way that they move in this. And mm. so it, it takes you out a little bit, I think, 
from like me getting properly ingrained in the film. So the opening scene just doesn't hit quite the same. No, I, I understand that. But that's it's just how well how well is it held up sort of thing, isn't it? You, yeah, you, absolutely, yeah. You just you have to you, you sort of have to make the allowance. Oh yeah, I understand Some, like you say, issue you've seen the other side of it. I think basically the the ones that aren't your main dinosaurs look a lot better because they're not trying to make them something they're not supposed to be. So they're not trying to make them look menacing. Like the the the, the Velociraptors seem to have like a menacing grin on their face the entire time. Yeah. And I mean, we don't even need to get started on the shot of the the raptor opening the door because mm. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> his little his, his little claw delicately pulling down the handle is one of the worst things I've ever seen on film. Yep. Also, I mean, you I don't I'm not, I know you're never expecting to get out. Not great planning. These things don't have opposable thumbs. Just choose different door handles. <laughs> I wonder what you thought. So, opening scene, you've got the the guy, the handler, essentially gets grabbed by the raptor in the cage. Yeah. At that point, there seems to be a choice between them, and it's push him in, get this door closed, or try and hoist him out and inflict this dinosaur on the rest of us. Do you think they made the right call? Um, I actually was. I actually thought they were going to push him in at first. I couldn't remember literally nothing about the film. I mean, it depends what side of the door I'm. It depends what side <laughs> of that cage I'm on. If I'm the handler, I'm screaming, "Come on, do me a favor!" Yeah, no. If I'm on the his, other side, place, sure. Um, if I'm on the other side, he's practically already there. You, you're not necessarily murdering him. You're just saying you couldn't save him. That was my thinking. Like, you can only see half of him at this point, and he's screaming. Yeah. You've got to assume the other half of him is not in a great not way. Going to be much left. You're pulling them out like Anakin at the end of episode three. Yeah, it's just it. What, what quality of life is he going to have? See you in a bit. Let's get him done. But yeah, it's, it's um, what what are you supposed to do? I imagine you're very you're. It's not as though it's a tiger where you might have seen one in a zoo or something. No, the thing that is attacking this geezer is a dinosaur. Like when, I'd, be, I'd still... be even more even more shook. It is a pretty classic kind of set piece as well, isn't it? Like, there's no real film you get with where an animal is the villain, the piece. And I guess the dinosaurs are the villain in this piece. Um, where someone doesn't fall in, someone doesn't find themselves the other side of a cage that they shouldn't be on. Yeah. And it, it usually goes the same way. And in this case, they just don't seem to be very well prepared for what happens if a dinosaur does kind of go rogue and. I guess that should be one of your number one plans. Yeah, I mean that if should you're be on Jurassic a, Park. That should essentially be the only thing this theme park's worried about. Yeah, and it seems to be the opposite. Yeah. Um, so you, you you've then got they're on the island. I've skipped a bit here. I mean, there's a lot of conversations that we probably don't need to hash over. But there's one where they're kind of having lunch and they're debating the ethics of cloning and the creation of the park. Um, Malcolm is talking about the implications of genetic engineering and says nature doesn't allow these kind of things to happen. It'll break down. Is this another one where the only thing I was thinking while watching the scene at first is like before coming to Jurassic Park, he didn't know what it was. Like, I assume he didn't think they'd started with two dinosaurs and they'd waited all this time for them <laughs> to breathe their way through. 
Like the cloning part of it seems pretty integral yeah. to what's happening here. And yeah. it's only just hit his conscience when he arrives. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose it's out of sight, out of mind. You know, you don't realise the full... But you are right, yeah. You, they've, they've, not exactly, they've not managed to dig something out of the Ice Age and be like, right, let them go at each other. And we'll see. We'll see the results. Um, Do you have a stance on cloning? Because they, for for a while in the early two thousands, like this was big news. Like mm. whether we could clone things. Yeah, Dolly the sheep. It was massive. Was, yeah. I mean, that was in the nineties. That was it was massive. I mean, genetic engineering is closer to the biggest point now. Joe, you've got if you if you want and you can afford it, you can choose your baby's eye color, etc., yeah. etc. And you can genetically engineer it. Um, a stance on cloning. I mean, I wouldn't want a clone. Um, <laughs> Like, I, I don't, I, I don't particularly, I mean, a sta- genetic engineering, I have, I'm closer to leaning towards being approved. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's essentially the opposite of natural selection, because you are, you would, you're not going to breed anything that is less than, less than perfect. Um, so the, there is that, that point to it, but the ability to remove certain illnesses, etc., is fascinating. Uh, I won't pretend for one moment to be a genealogist or be able to spell the word. But it, it is, Joe. It's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was trying. I was trying to think of. Uh, I've got it actually. Um, a book I listened to once called um, Homo Deus, and it's quite a popular book in terms of sales. Mm. But that's about. Um, but it's called The History of Tomorrow, and they talk in there about cloning and things like that, and whether it's right that we should get to a stage where you can, as you say, kind of choose what your baby is going to be like before it comes out like you can choose how it looks you can choose like then there's going to be things where it should have a certain amount of intelligence before your baby's born and they say in the future things could just be so perfectionist that it's just going to be insane and there's the long running thing that we are destined to wipe ourselves out like Mm. there's some kind of name for this theory but we're like the only <laughs> creatures that actively like pursues ways of wiping itself out. Yeah, the, the point is, I mean, because I can't imagine you'll ever be able to do that, do these operations for 50 quid, right? No. <laughs> so genetic testing and genetic engineering being what it is, it will be available to the super rich. So in, say it starts now, in six generations' time, as the technology moves on, it becomes more popular, it becomes cheaper, and it does become available to more and more people. Like anything, yeah. any, a, anything that's made for a consumer, you find a way, you find a way to make, make it easier, make it cheaper, sell it to more people, make more money. So in seven generations' time, for example, that is become available to more people, but let's say 40% of the population can afford it, 60% can't, it'd be less than that. But just for the point, you, will have, you would have children first generation, second gener- generation of 18 and 40 year olds, for example, called call it physical primes for males, um, who have been bred to be stronger, fitter, faster, smarter. And that's where resent- the resentment and you're, you're trying to wipe each other out, be it the, the majority turning on the minority thinking they think they're much better than us, let's try and prove it. Or you get some hunger, hunger games type shit where essentially the, the, the poor people just become entertainers. They're not already, <laughs> if they're not already dependent on your... Upgrading, yeah, yeah. upgrading your kids like it's pro clubs. Exactly. So he's had a good day. He's had a good day at school. Let's have three inches of height to him. Um, like you'd be, you'd be minimising that height and going straight for the acceleration. Correct, mate. Well, yeah, it's the opposite in real life. I'm quite a big lad in real life, but don't want to be playing target man on the computer, do you? <laughs> um, 
Them goals that I used to bang as well. <laughs> Jeez. We need you on that PS5. Um, what else have we got? Okay, so um, we, we then kind of are shown that the group's joined by the grandkids, um, Lex and Tim. Don't get me started on that girl screaming her way through the entire film. It was too high um, But we get one of the more famous scenes in where they have their first tour of the park. Uh, I know it doesn't quite go to plan so much on this one as you do as you get some of the more beautiful takes in later films. But you get the real kick-in of the theme song, which we've gone into. You see the kind of open lands. You see some of these animals kind of grazing on their own. Um, and then this all leads up to them seeing a sick triceratops, which, despite the fact it's in an awful way, everyone's grinning and leaning on and having a whale of a time around. So the poor thing doesn't have a pleasant end of days. No. But uh, human, human nature, isn't it? It's a triceratops. And you're struggling and you've got a bloke leaning on you. Just, just go in and out with your breath. It's not what you need. No, I know, but it's the human. It's the human thing, and it's uh, it's another point. Like someone's been killed, these dinosaurs are dying. There's not as many as many alarm bells as I'd like there to be. No, no. Um, it's no shock that they rise up for a future like nine films. Um, so we then get the kind of turn of where things have gone. We've already seen. Uh, Nedry get turned by the guy he sees at the start, giving him the, the kind of uh, shaving cream and that kind of thing. Uh, he deactivates the park security system to try and get to the embryo storage room. Uh, cuts power to all the tour vehicles and leaves a group of them in the T-Rex paddock. And this is kind of where things go downhill from there, isn't it? Um, most of the park's electric fences are deactivated. The T-Rex escapes, attacks the group, flips over the vehicle. There's a couple of lucky escapes for Tim, especially. Tim survives near-death experiences about nine times here just by things dropping in the right place. Um, devours uh, Gennaro. Imagine just trying to have a nice quiet poo and a T-Rex breaks its way in and rips you up. <laughs> not what you need. Nah, not at all. Also, just, <laughs> he, he's, he's rather unalarmed by the fact, I assume... It's not like he has headphones in. He, he can't hear this T-Rex roaring its way around. It's flipped a car over at this stage. And he's still just having a nice quiet poo. Oh, I mean, he's probably caught short and he, what's he going to do? <laughs> he, he, he ain't a lot he can do, is there? He's just sort of got to, got to ride it Enjoying out. Enjoying his last moments. Exactly. Because if anything's going to make you shit, that probably is it. <laughs> Them nervy poos. Mm. Um... Okay, so then we, we then get another T-Rex attack with the other group after this one's escaped. Or I don't know if we know they escaped at this point. We know the dad's escaped and the two kids are kind of hiding underneath the car um, as Goldblum has uh, done his business. They come and find him, the other group, and we get another escape, which is where you get the famous shot of uh, objects in this mirror may... Uh, be closer than they appear and you've got the shot with the dinosaur running in, running in behind them. Mm. So th- these are probably two of the highlights of the film in basically what you sign up for, isn't it, in a dinosaur movie then being chased down by a T-Rex. That's what, when you're going in yeah. and you're kind of plotting out the scenes, that's top of your list. Yeah. That's, that's what you want to see, essentially. Yeah. Um, 
we then have okay that we then have Nedry going to try and send away the embryos at the docks. He gets lost in the rain, has the mortal error of getting out of his uh, jeep, which you should know what's going to happen there. And he's killed by uh, Dilophosaurus, which I didn't know was a thing till watching Jurassic Park. Do you ever hear one of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were clearly more of a dinosaur man. I could have told you a Triceratops, Stegosaurus, T-Rex, Brachiosaurus, Diplodocus, but Dilophosaurus wasn't in my wheelhouse. Hmm. And he gets picked apart. Would you have liked him to have a uh, more gruesome end? Or is this just right? Um, I mean, do I want to see him? Do I want to see the egg get chopped? Yeah, one hundred percent. But that's less about the film. That's just if you, <laughs> if you if you can throw a decapitation in there, why not? Interested to know how that would have worked. Like, is the did the dinosaur do that? Or was that something that was enough more running that's something away? Else, yeah. That seems Does an he... odd way for the dinosaur to take you apart. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe something a power line or something like that comes and does him. I, I, I wouldn't know, but. Um, you do make a good point. Yeah, so we then get the dad and the kids. They discovered the uh, dinosaur eggs, which Grant works out strangely quick, where he's like, oh, well, you mentioned there were some frogs. There's a specific gender of frogs that they can switch their gender. That must be what's happened. This is why we've got dinosaur kids running around the place. Would have been handy if he thought of that <laughs> a little earlier, although it wouldn't have changed much, just... Uh, Weird, it pinged into his head that quick. Um, Arnold heads to the maintenance shed to try and reboot things. He doesn't return, and so Sattler and Muldoon head out to try and get things done. First of all, Keenan, if you're Mr. Attenborough here, you're uh, plotting out this park, do you put your main like, backup power line in the middle of your Velociraptor enclosure? No. <laughs> Does that seem a bit of an oversight to you in the same way that like, they didn't even ask you, like, what? Why, why is this a thing? Why did you put this here? I, I blame on the people who built it. But the, the rich posh man don't know, don't know these things. Someone, <laughs> the site former should be saying to him, look, mate, this ain't no one. I imagine he doesn't have much Velociraptor experience, in fairness. Well, but if there's the same people building the enclosure, you might want to say to him, look, You've got 50-foot fences here. Think about it. Well, even you, you've got it kind of caged off so they can't get there. Have a little one along the side so you don't have to go through that enclosure to get there. There's so many ways around this. Yeah, move it fucking a mile, don't a mile involve, down the road. Yeah, your man Muldoon having to sacrifice himself. Hero. Do you think in that situation, like, I imagine in that split second when he sees the uh, Velociraptor on his side and he's like, right. Do you think you have the wherewithal to do a wise crack there? Is it like, this is my last stand, like I'm a James Bond kind of guy? No, I'm going to drop my last stand or... No, I probably pissed down the legs of my trousers and then get he very quickly done He's like, ah, has a little smirk to himself <laughs> and yeah. then he's out. Yeah, I probably not. Um, Admire it in a way. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not a great it's not a great one, is it? It's not even a great last no. line. That's the worst part for him. They've just given him that. Hey, and then he's gone. Yeah. Give him a second longer just to get get some out. Give him an actual joke. They do the they, they, they foreshadow that quite well as well, don't they? Like the opening scene 
with um, the dad is essentially saying like the the what the Velociraptor you see isn't the one that gets to you. It's the two that come up along the side. Yeah. Uh, there's another one where he talks about hunting and he says about no matter how good of a shot you are, you're not going to land one on a Velociraptor with the way they move. And so him stood there staring at a Velociraptor with a gun. It's like okay, all right, you teed us up nicely here. Yeah, nice. And then we kind of have a, a set of scenes that kind of mould into one here. The mum works her way through, eventually gets things turned on with the kid that refuses to jump into his dad's arm off the electric fence. Um, he gets zapped, and then we kind of just have a velociraptor chase until a T-Rex sort things, sorts things out for them. When we get to the end of the film, what do you think of the ending? And I, Unless you want to say anything else about the scenes in between, but they're largely no, no. kind of what we covered. Because I guess at this stage, if you're in the cinema, you don't know if there's a sequel coming or not. Um, it's not like a book where you're kind of teed up for what might be coming next. I thought it was a bit of an anticlimactic ending because you don't get much of a showdown kind of thing. Like, essentially, it's, it's like you're playing a video game where you're supposed to shoot your way out. And largely what you do is, is you just run away from everyone on the scene. And you get to the end of the level, but it's like, what, have you really achieved what you set out to achieve here? In this circumstance, like, the T-Rex sorts it for them. They haven't done anything to kind of quell the dinosaurs. They're still just left to roam. And they fly well, away as if it's like happily ever after. Well, I think that's essentially what would happen, though, wouldn't it? Really, if you, you wouldn't be going, then you wouldn't get the sequel in real life. It's not it's really stupid. a your, your Spielberg standard, is it? Like, Because they could usually, have done even if you're getting a sequel, you do get some kind of conclusive ending because a lot of these characters we don't see again. I know, but I mean, you get the, you get the happy ever after, bang, they're in the helicopter, the ones who are left, away you go. Presumably, the dinosaurs just live there to, to, to rot and, and eat each other. They are on, a, they are on an island. Um, so yeah, just, it was just something I thought, usually if you get an ending like this, you lose one of the main characters and you have some point of reflection when they're on the helicopter or something. But it felt more like an ending to a TV episode than it did like the ending of a two-hour six film. That was all what my thinking was. I, th- I figured there was going to be some kind of resistance between them leaving and getting on the helicopter. Okay. Maybe they have to like shoot something into the T-Rex. Maybe they have to do something. But that was all. I wasn't checking like where I was in the film. I just figured there was going to be something else coming in. But maybe that's me watching it from a 27-year-old point of view rather than a 12, 13-year-old point of view. I don't know. I don't know. No, it didn't, didn't really appear, appear to... It didn't really occur to me. I'll be, I'll be honest. Not to, to be rude. Um, no, no, no. When they, when, when they hit the helicopter, you... Uh, or sort of when when he hits the jeep and they they're on their way out. You, okay, there you go. It's like the end of a Call of Duty mission. You get yeah, on that shopper yeah. and you've got a little minute of you being able to turn your camera and see out the window. And it's like, are they going to tell me to shoot these guys in the rooftops here? No, all right, plane sailing. So we're back to the dashboard and we go again. Hmm. I actually don't remember about anything about the second one. Maybe I remember some set piece files to watch it again. The cast is a lot more charming, even if you take Vince Vaughn out of it. Looks a lot more charming to me now if I was to go back and watch. So maybe uh, some night next week I might give it a go. Hmm. Uh, I I'm not even sure I've seen the second one, mate. I'll be honest with you. No, this is 
I remember the third one and really only bits of it. That's all I could really remember. And TK said, you don't remember Vince in the second one? No. Uh, I knew he played the cameraman, but that's all I know. If we have a look through the categories, I'll actually have a couple of things for us to bring up before we go on to the next film. Um, right at the start, when you first see the dinosaurs, one of them says, uh, we're going to make so much money off this. In any kind of film, if you're not the main character, you talk about making money, you're almost certainly meeting an end, aren't you? It's like the kids that do drugs in a camp, in a campfire or something, like in a in a slasher film. Yeah, that's Tempting just fate. how these things go. Tempting fate. So them saying how much money we're going to make, you just kind of have that feeling like, yeah, yeah, you know it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> so this was obviously a blockbuster at the time. It made me kind of reflect. You don't really get many blockbusters these days, do you, that aren't superhero related? No. Like your blockbusters these days, and when I say blockbusters, everything gets referred to that that's like anything of like a 10 million budget. But Mm. blockbuster, I'm talking about like your set pieces in the year, the ones that you get like the year advance of it coming in, you get the big build for the trailer, and. All they're, all, you really they're, all just fran- get... they're all franchise films now. Yeah. Fast and Furious will we'll meet the criteria. But it's just, <laughs> That's my just... next topic, Keenan. Oh, is it? I was going to say. Vin Diesel says he wants a, a crossover with Chris Pratt's Jurassic World and Fast and Furious. Does that not sound incredible? Incredibly fucking stupid. Yeah, but do you not want like Vin Diesel no. talking about family as he cruises away? Well, given a corona to one of the Velociraptors no, <laughs> exactly, La Familia no, no I don't him doing see, see you again with, with a stegosaurus it's, mate honestly I, I, I've got no words for it, um, I, it it's enough to almost bring me Ludacris to tears would definitely like slide down like a, a Diplodocus's neck or something like I could this would this would be unbelievable someone is definitely riding a car down a T-Rex's back. You show a lot more excited for this than I am. Yes, like I know. That, when I know it's carnage going in, I'm all for. I don't. Because that will cost 100 million or more or whatever. It's the only way it's hypothetical, I but that's what it will cost. the punching a velociraptor. And they could just do more with that money. There are other films. Like, no, like, uh, we could sit and bemoan my thoughts on modern cinema for until until the night turns but we, sh- we shouldn't I um, want Tyrese riding a stegosaurus I, I don't I this don't would really be unbelievable I'm telling you this really would be I and would, you wouldn't rule it you wouldn't rule it out happening I've got tickets already for Fast and Furious 9 um, in a fortnight it's on it's during the two days break between uh, the Euros uh, starting after the group stages into the knockout phase and me and Alex are going to go. Why? They go into space in this one. Like, I know. They're just, this fun, is they're why. just fun films. Like, they're fun films. I don't... Uh, I do think it's snobbish when people turn their nose up at them. Look at the films I like. Look at the films yeah. I don't. Mine is nothing to do with snobbery. Mine just sim- merely bemoans what is lost with these films. I would take this more and... This is going to be one of them where for a while it's going to seem like I dislike the film. So you can see where this is going. With all of the films that you like, dislike, 
Pirates of the Caribbean shouldn't fit into this. You're right, but that's contextual. Like even when I when I was uh, speaking to TK after, and the that winning rewatchability over Space Jam, really, I'm still like not quite over that. Did I tell you I watched it? I watched 45 minutes of it again. No, but I wish you hadn't told me because because oh, okay. like, even Keenan, he was like, I, I I can't imagine Keenan like. So my thing is, yeah. So my love for Pirates of the Caribbean can be summed up in this almost the same way. My love for James Bond is more. So when I was a, when I was a kid, um, so I was certain things that I adored and certain things I didn't. Knights, dragons, etc. Well, not not quite for me. So you can rule out certain things. Star Wars and wizardry never came for me. I wanted to be a pirate. Or I wanted to be James Bond. I want to be Blackbeard or James Bond, and my I'm 26 now. My I don't I have no intentions of traveling to Somalia, um, so, so you don't need to worry about me becoming a pirate. Um, and I can't run more than, more than 50 yards, so there's a not very little chance that I'll be James Bond. Um, but that's my thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. When I was a kid, you, I wanted. To, would you Would you not want to be a pirate? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're about to call me blasphemous, but. Modern day Fast and Furious are a lot to me like you're getting in like a Pierce Brosnan James Bond. Like essentially now they are I, like, sorry, here's I, I, your mission that you've got to get to the bottom of, catch the guy that's trying to blow up the world, have some fancy cars, you've got some cool little gadgets in here, and then you've essentially got um what's that would name? be uh, fine. And that Michelle be fine. Rodriguez is essentially and uh I forgot the other girl's name in there. Is actually they're essentially a Bond girls. Like this is literally like what Jordan, you would truly do a Bond film to was, see. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, you're and you're right, and you wouldn't be wrong. And I'm not annoyed at the film. I'm not annoyed at the film. But have a look at the era when Piers Brosnan was making these fil- making these films. They were yeah, they were blockbusters. But they, you had everything else. These are now so much more in the culture of cinema. I know the world's changed, etc. Films aren't as popular straight the rise of streaming services. Not everyone wants to go to the cinema, so it's harder for a studio to spend big money repeatedly. You take your gamble safer. If you're going to make one film a year and try and make money off that, let it be fast nine. Then take a well, risk and it, it not pay off. But look at Brosnan. Then this is my issue. It's not even necessary with the film. It's that this type of film and this franchise... It's what you lose, and it's no, no, it's no fault of well, the film. It's the fault. It's the fault of the people that are in charge of making the film. Well, that's why they. The smartest thing they did was get the rock on board because that gives you that extra two hundred million that you need. Yeah, of course. Uh, but the the money is going to be divested, is diverted into that. That's what the problem. I probably might be overly harsh on the on the film. Um, Have you seen Fast Five? Yes. That's the peak, I think, of Fast and Furious films. And uh, I like people... one, two, four, and five. Tokyo Drift is, honest to goodness, one of it is so bad it's actually not well, funny. Well, there's a lot of people that won't have seen Fast Five because of similar uh, thoughts on Fast and Furious. When that is just a great like action heist film, Fast Five. Hmm. I actually think it's, it's it's one of the best in that genre that's ever been made. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. It's it's unbelievable in the the set pieces and things like that. But a lot of people haven't seen it. But before this turns into a Fast and Furious pod, because I'm even as a not huge fan of the films in like we both know Aladdin, we called them the greatest series of films ever made. 
um, which is insane. Um, Who was that? Certainly rhymes with a small bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going that. I just, I just, but I never understand people having, and I don't know if you're quite this way, have such passionate feelings about them. Like I can kind of understand like being neither here nor there about it. But some people, like, it's like a part of their identity is like disliking these films. No, no. Like say one, two, four, and five. I like six. Uh, meh. Okay. Uh, and then I've stopped watching them from that point onwards. Yeah. If if we go on to do where's my car, and then we'll do it like last week, where we'll kind of do the other categories, kind of as we go through the pair of them. Um. So the synopsis here, two potheads wake up after a night of partying and cannot remember where they parked their car. Pretty straightforward in terms of uh, your synopsis there. They've not missed anything out for you. Pretty uh, straight to the point. You know what you're getting. Uh, critics reviews. Sorry. You think you know what you're getting. But we, we, <laughs> can, we can come to this yeah. later. Well, what do you think the critics reviews are going to say here? Are they from 2000 or are they from now? They're, they're from a selection, really, but it, okay. it doesn't make too much difference. They can't, they can't <laughs> be good. Well, I'll take, I'll take you through. I've just got five, as with the last one. So um, One wonders if the film would not have been better if it had concentrated on the night before instead of telling this far more interesting story in near flashback. I do actually think that's a fair point. What, like, making more what Project X do you not think, even if you just kind of, yeah, just had the night go through as it was, yeah, yeah start it out Project X style, just like them waking up, dude, where's my car? Yeah. What did we do last night? There we go. It, it, it could have been, I mean, I enjoy the film as it is, but I thought that was a fair point as a review when I saw it. Um, comedies have survived with looser scenarios, but few prove as brain dead as this one. Brain cell depleting comedy will appeal to kids. Dude, where's my car? Runs a short eighty-three minutes and yet still feels long. That's so true. <laughs> and finally, I was embarrassed that I enjoyed a movie so juvenile and stupid, but then I thought, dude, and I was okay. Mm. Pretty much as expected with the reviews there. Some say, look, it's not a classic, but I enjoy it. Some say, what the hell have I watched? And some say, can I have that time back, please? Um, as for the trivia um, as little as I think we've had for any film uh, here so when Ashton Kutcher first read the script for the film he almost turned down the role because he found it to be very stupid however when he read the you got a tattoo scene he couldn't stop laughing and agreed to take on the part that told him it wasn't stupid I guess (laughs) guess. (laughs) that was the turning point um the film story came from a rejected live-action Beavis and Butthead movie concept in the late 90s. It does explain a lot. Mm. A sequel titled Seriously Dude, Where's My Car? was planned but was never developed and eventually the idea was scrapped. Did you, uh, did you ever read anything more about that? I actually yeah, so, yeah, I actually ended up reading and Ask Me Anything on Reddit earlier with Sean William Scott. Mm. where he said he wanted it to be really weird yeah but something that I really and this isn't dude where my car related but something I really took away from this and we spoke about it before is you see some where they do a film like this like 
you sense Jonah Jonah Hill doesn't really want to be associated with Superbad too much anymore. Like, I just yeah. get that impression. Sean William Scott, they asked him about like his favorite roles and things. Like he couldn't be more proud of the fact that he was Steve Stifler. And I just think that's so great because so many think they're above it when they get past that. that uh, once the film's out and they get a bit older. That must be a recent ask me anything then. So this was he did a Blumhouse film um called I think what it was called. It was in the last year, I believe. Okay. Because for a long time he slept away because he was worried about being typecast. So he's asked about he was asked it was called Bloodline, twenty eighteen, sorry. So yeah. a couple of years old. Um he was asked about that and he they say in there and he says, as you've just said there, um he was a bit worried about it at first, and then he said he kind of hit a point where he realised, like, is it, is it such a bad thing? Like, I'm enjoying doing these roles. Like, I like the films that I'm making. And every now and then, he's still getting the chance to do something a little bit different, like he did this Bloodline film. He did the Lethal Weapon TV show. Mm. Um, he did... Uh, I guess Goon, Goon's largely similar. Uh, he did Final Destination... He's done a couple of things on the side, Jukes of Hazard, where he's like, I can do something a little bit different if I want, and then I can come back and just make these films I enjoy. I guess when you look back at your career and you've done American Pie, Dude, Where's My Car, Road Trip, Bulletproof Monk, the rundown, this type of film, it's probably like, is it that bad, being no. in this position where I'm playing this guy? No, no. I, that would always... I've, we've raised this on the pod before, and that was always my point, but... He's the one who's got to do it, so he's got he's got to be the one who's happy with it. But I'm glad I'm glad that he is. He's reached a point where he is happy with it. Yeah, he was he was actually on there, and like, I read a couple of these before, so I always find it interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, he he couldn't be more like honoured, and I think it helps that he doesn't have social media. So I think a lot of these reactions he was getting, like those people on there saying, um, like some of the best times of my life have been where me and my old buddies when we were in school would sit together and we would watch films like Road Trip and American Pie and we would just have the time of our lives and he seemed genuinely like touched by some of these things he was saying I can't believe like how much you like it I'm so pleased and all of this and it, it was really cool to see when as you say some of the other ones we see they're mm. almost like they're happy to be paid for doing the film but yeah. they're embarrassed afterwards when it comes yeah. around to it you know my feelings on that um, yeah. So this was this was really cool. Like even all the films, he was talking about Goon. He was talking about role models, and he was saying, oh, "I can't tell you how much fun I had on on this on the set of role models." And he was like, "I'd love to do a film with those again." Like Paul Rudd, the genius, and all this. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link to it in a bit because it's not very long, but just the answers are just really like it's good when you see a guy that you like and it just doesn't quick, put you off them at all. Just a quick. So it is just a quick diversion just to yeah. ask you a question before I forget. In all the genuinely not pod pod even not included, of all the hundreds of conversations that we've had about films over the years, have we ever spoken about the Hollywood Reporter, the round table? I don't think so. Do you know what it is? No, I don't I like I I've heard the name before, but Right, okay. No, it's cool. it's like, uh, try and keep it in your mind. Ask me, ask me at the end of the pod. Right. You'll love it. For anyone who doesn't know, yeah. Hollywood reporters sit down. It's one with directors, one with actors. They sit them in a round table, so they all have a conversation. As the sort of name sort of implies, and they just speak about films. And they're like no, 20, no, no. 20, 40 minutes. They are the names they get on there. Like it's one with Gary Oldman, Tom Hanks, 
Uh, Gary Oldman, Tom Hanks, De Niro might be there, Daniel Boyega's there, um, and another one. Then they've got a director's one with Scorsese. It, oh, yeah, just remind me at the end of the pod, mate. It's, it's oh. unbelievable. Um, so, so as we've kind of gone to it that way, so he's asked in that thing, as you said, and he says that I'd love to do a sequel to Where's My Car. He's like, I'd love to make it like an R-rated follow-up that would be dark and really weird, which is what you quoted. He said, yeah, sign me up. I'd be well up for that. Ashton Kutcher said similar. Um, I guess once Ashton Kutcher's done two and a half men, he's probably like, yeah, what, what, else, what, what else am I going to do? Mm. The replaced Charlie Sheen there. Um, Seth Rogen auditioned for one of the starring roles for this. Didn't get it. Jake Gyllenhaal also did. <laughs> he didn't get it either. So we had a double dose of Gyllenhaal auditioning this week. Hmm. Um, strange. Seth Rogen, I don't, I don't even think this film particularly works with him. I think you need someone else partnered up. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, I definitely can't see. I think he would come across as more of a weirdo than like, being like a weird film. Hmm. And that makes that's more of a distinction in my mind. Yeah. There we go. Um, originally, the hot alien chicks were going to be offering out blowjobs but it would have taken it up a racing. <laughs> so there you go. Um, this ran this ran a For Your Consideration Academy Award campaign using the line, dude, where's my Oscar? Not surprisingly, it failed to get nominated. Yeah. I... Um, dude, where's my car? Pulled in a respectable 13.8 million in its opening weekend back in December 2000 and beat new Disney release, The Emperor's New Groove. Great film. Quite impressive, that. Um, in 2018, automotive site Hot Cars named the green and yellow 70s throwback as the worst movie car of all time. Also harsh. Is it? Just, you know, it's not the worst of all time. I, no. I don't know what else I would say it's worse, but there's got to yeah. be worse. Um, just two years after playing Jesse's girlfriend, Wanda, Jennifer Garner was crowned Best Dramatic Actress at the Golden Globes. Well, accepting the award, she told Alias creator J.J. Abrams, I don't know why you cast me in this role. I don't know why you thought I could do it. I know I was good in Dude, Where's My Car? But seriously, what were you thinking? Master, she's giving us some, some props. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's it. So I was going to say about the sequel, which we've, we've already done. Um, kind of a scene by scene here. Not, I don't have as many down as in uh, Jurassic Park <laughs> And then just a couple of talking points. So we start out, we've got Jesse and Chester waking up with hangovers, no memory of the previous night. They've got Animal Planet on the TV, the animals kind of using twigs to get their food. The guy behind them pissing in the fish tank and a refrigerator filled with containers of chocolate pudding. They have the answer machine that has their twin girlfriends asking where they've been. And we get into it from there. They then emerge from the house. Jesse's car's missing. And they say, dude, where's my car? Pretty standard stoner comedy opening scene. Yes. It's even down to the not having their shirts on. Yeah. Wake up, rub your eyes, and we're like, okay, you're hungover. (laughs) That's pretty much like the language of it. Um, They get you in pretty quickly. Like They show you that the characters are idiots. Um... They have that there. I think 
before they leave. Is it before they leave the house that the the pizza guy comes? So that's yes. when they're working out. Then they leave the house. Pizza guy comes in. I guess you get another sense of the tone with them chucking the pizza on the ceiling and it's sticking. Yeah. Plus they look out the window, spinning around kind of thing. But I think, as you said, the start is the most enjoyable part of the film. Like mm-hmm. easy laughs. Gets you on board pretty quick, kind of disarms you in the way like, don't expect any slick humour here. We're just going to be as stupid as possible for an hour and 23 minutes. Hopefully you laugh along. And then it goes so, so wrong. Well, yeah, so they they begin retracing their steps. Um, Along the way, they they encounter a transgender stripper, a speaker box operator at a Chinese restaurant, um, they find they have two tattoos. Um, they meet the UFO cultist led by Zoltan, a Cantonese-speaking Chinese tailor, Nelson and his cannabis-loving dog, Jackal. Great character. Um, Christy Boner, <laughs> her boyfriend, Tommy, a um, couple of hard-nosed police detectives, a reclusive French ostrich farmer named Pierre, two groups of aliens, one being five gorgeous women and uh, the others being two Norwegian men searching for the continuum transfunctioner. Hell of a night. Mm. Yes. Have you um, position? No, sorry, but someone's just, sorry, someone's just texted me. No, it's, I couldn't hear that. I could hear uh, the, the fan, but I couldn't hear it before, so I didn't know if you'd moved. No, um, no, sorry. It's kind it's of not... overpowered you a bit. Um, no, no. All right, we've had two films in the last two brackets that are kind of all in a day's work. Who do you think deals with whose day better? Do you think Jake Hoyt can come into this day and deal with it better after the exploits he had in Training Day? Or do you think one of Jesse and Chester can replace and get alongside Denzel and survive the day? I mean, they might be more open to taking drugs than Hoyt was. I know he does eventually, but um, Jake Hoyt rides this day, doesn't he? Easy work. Like, goes on to his wife and kids like nothing's happened. You could give Denzel both of these and they end up getting they end up getting that surg- surgical work. Or they take the cash, which they clearly have no problem with doing, as you see in this. Mm, yeah, that's true. Maybe they do. He the training day is just a nice happy He probably ending. prefers these guys that he's got. Yeah. Um... Do you want to go to jail? Do you want to go home? Great work. Uh, the two, oh, so later on in the film, I've kind of skipped a lot in, of that. Uh, the two sets of aliens arrive. Um, they work out that the continuum transfunctionary is a Rubik's Cube. The Chester has been working hard to solve. He solves it on the spot. You get a lot of shape shifting, and the five women merge into one. And one of the highlights of the film, the kid's saying, I want to go on that ride. <laughs> the dad's saying, me too, Sam. Me too. <laughs> End of the film, you've got... Um, they have to choose which aliens they trust more. They trust the two Norwegian blokes. You have the link back to the pudding at the start as they work out. That's how they got it, by hitting a hole-in-one on the 18th hole. And then they get a gift from uh, the two Norwegians. So... I think you kind of mentioned on here already. You didn't particularly enjoy the film. Nope. Um, added it into the bracket as a bit of a something different. Mm-hmm. 
certainly was something different. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the, the the ways I was reading a review of this earlier, and they were essentially saying they've put enough set pieces in here that if you don't enjoy one and it doesn't quite hit with you, the idea is that the next one hits and so on and so on. Did, did nothing hit for you or um, not enough? The opening's all right. I quite enjoyed the Buster Move music video that's randomly there. Yeah. Um, and then after that, mate, it just... What about the, so the scene um, with them ordering the Chinese? Doesn't do a great deal for me. The tattoo, the tattoo scene is okay. Oh, but the, the amount I laugh at that tattoo scene is it's been normal. It's been displaced in my head by Scary Movie 2. This came out before. I know. That's what I mean. But I, I saw Scary Movie 2 far before. Yeah, yeah. I think um, this was the first time I'd ever seen this. But as they were going, didn't in my time, etc., etc., I just kept thinking, Ray, fuck me. Um, which I realised you were going to clip, but such is life. Um, no, no. Not no? today. Oh, Not nice. today. Thank you. My day's been bad enough. I don't enough. think you said it loud enough either, so. Oh, that's good. Um, my day's been bad enough. I don't need you banding <laughs> that around. Yeah, I, I think, so the scenes for me, when, when I think of the film, and I do, I do certainly agree, I, I'm, I'm not coming on here and saying it's a masterpiece if you were expecting that. Um, I'm not painting that by any stretch. Um, it's, it's not like how I feel about Knocked Up, so any criticism of this, I can understand. I like anyone. this more than I, I like this more than I like Knocked Up. Well, that's even more ridiculous. <laughs> I can, un- I it's can under- it's also not true. <laughs> I, I can understand like the critique of of this film. Like if it doesn't hit, then it doesn't it doesn't hit. Um, but what my my point was was. When I think of the film, I think of the set pieces, them in the morning, um, and the, the pizza, which yeah, I, I enjoy for how stupid it is. Um, I enjoy the tattoo scene, the and them scene, and I enjoy the kind of Tarantino style. Everyone ends up in the same place at the end and just let the carnage unfold. Obviously, slightly different to Tarantino way. Nobody dies. And it's not quite a slick. Um, but the scenes for me, like uh, the Zoltan stuff with uh, them all wrapped up, the ostrich scene and kind of things in between. I'm, as you say, it, it, it feels longer than an hour and 23 minutes long. I wouldn't uh, argue that either. But I think it does what they intended in, like, uh, as I said, if one doesn't hit, they're banking on at least the next one or the one after hitting for the duration to kind of keep you involved. Um, what do you think about how it's aged? I mean, there's some articles that say kind of how progressive this is in how uh, they portray the uh, transgender stripper. You have them kissing in the car quite openly um, and things like that. Don't get you don't least, yeah, but the issue of I thought this you've got the two the two people being repulsed as well. You struggle yeah. when they're when they're necking each other. You struggle yeah. to get that in these days. Unless no, it, so, it, as because it's done. Sorry, you struggle to get that in the film for comedic effect these days because yeah. you can you can get it in in other contexts. Obviously, the transgender thing when she refers to herself as a gender challenged male. Yeah, don't think you're getting to chuck that in again. You put these things in films, but these days people get upset. Where if yeah. it's done to be the part of a joke. 
Well, the the um, kissing one, as, as we said there, it works more. So when it's done in American Pie 2, and the reason they're so repulsed is that it's their mates. Why do they want to be doing this? I think that's like still perfectly fine. You can do that, as, as you say. The other way, as you said, with the two people being repulsed in the car, that it's different. You're probably not no, getting I, away with that today. No, no I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to. I'm not saying you should. I, I think. It, no, no, I'm uh, just kind of. No, I know, but you are. You are probably right. But I think for a lot of this, a lot of it's a lot of it's context. I, and I suppose a lot of it is who is created by and created for. I, I would suppose, mate. I'd forgotten um, to the whole thing with these strippers. So you kind of, it becomes apparent pretty quickly. Just you hear the voice and mm. you kind of see it being built up with him saying, what's so special about this? Yeah. But the second I saw it, I actually messaged Sean, I think. And I was like, right, there's parts of this film that have aged like milk. You, you can't be going around doing this. Yeah, I know. You don't, Yeah, you couldn't. And like I say, I... I don't know. I, I don't know how bad that, that is as a joke. Well, I don't think... Well, I, they, kind I, of, they use that joke, don't they? And then after that, it isn't that kind of element of it isn't really used as a joke. They just say that for the rest of the film, we've got 200,000 of a stripper's money that's kind of chasing down after us. Mm. And so they kind of get the punchline out once. And then after that, they don't really use it as... as the butt of the joke. Like yeah. Ace, Ace Ventura, if you watch that back, <laughs> the ending of that you quite literally can't do today. Uh, God, unbelievable! But this, this, this is a bit different. Was my thinking? No, yeah, you are right. I read an article. Um, one of the few places that actually uh, gave this a positive review, if you can believe it, was the New York Post when this came out, and. One of the criticisms they said was they said, Dude, Where's My Car is a surprisingly sweet, mild-mannered movie for a teenage comedy spoof, and that's not a good thing. So they say in here, if you're going to this genre, we should be grossed out. We should be having a couple more references that are a bit more close to the bone. This kind of thing. Like They point out, which I hadn't even considered before, it's a stoner movie, and we don't actually see the two main characters smoke. No, it's, it's just implied. implied. Yeah. Yeah. But in the same vein, mate, I, I think mild mannered. We see we see the dog. We see the dog get stoned. <laughs> the close up of that is quality. Um, um the the mild mannered thing, maybe that maybe that even might even be part of my issue with it. Is because maybe, maybe that is what I want. Maybe I'm on the you expect lowest it to be more... denominator. Yeah, where it could be more. Once the aliens get involved, that becomes the main thing. Uh, and I even then they up. say it as we said it was supposed to be they say that in a way where it's like yeah again it's it what we want to be saying yeah I I can't tell you how fucking stupid those aliens are do you think in two so in, in 2000 this comes out yeah Sean William Scott and Ashton Kutcher are notable names uh, Sean William Scott's just an American Pie for example mm-hmm. just an American Pie 2 I'll uh, uh, give you a, give you another thing then is anything in this film as I'm pretty gonna get any can't see me to do this once a week, but in quotes, anything as bad as Jim shagging the pie in a shagging the pie. No, no, but what the point I was gonna make was so this comes out after American Pie One. And my thinking I was gonna say was 
you, you tune in having seen Sean Williams Scott, probably thinking you're getting Stifler Mark II. A stoner yeah. comedy with Sean Williams Scott at this stage, that's probably what you're looking for, but it's not what you get. No, exactly. No, you do get something different. And yeah, you, you I mean, you get Stifler being the, the, the All American. Um, like his, his character is a bit of a funny at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it's certainly an interesting way to go about it. I mean, it, I think I admire it in a way because they're trying to do a different take on a genre. I mean, the way it's held up to the point where there's people still talking about it today, including us, I guess. Mm. It has got a certain pocket of fandom that really appreciate this film. And part of it probably is because of it being a bit more mild-mannered than its counterparts. Yeah, I, 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 I do. Yeah, I, I, you're probably right. Whether that's yes. why I don't like it, I can't tell you. I mean, I just keep, as, I, as we're talking about in this film, I can't get past the fucking aliens part of it. It's yeah, so it, dumb. It certainly goes downhill um, from... So dumb. I think probably at the point of the music video is when it starts kind of taking... I mean, I, I think my enjoyment, if I was on a rewatch, I'd be far more focused in up until they have that chat with uh, Kirsty Boner and you have the kind of back and forth there with him being awkward and not knowing how to react and the uh, boyfriend and that turning up after there's where the aliens turn up pretty much straight after, don't they? Mm, yeah. That is, yeah, I agree, where it starts to take a bit more of a downward turn. But I do quite like the ending once they all come together. So the middle part for me really is, like, if I was going to remove a bit, that would oh, be th- this This AC three-minute film would be 25 minutes, mate. <laughs> uh, no, it'd be 35. First 15, <laughs> I would do 10 minutes of exposition. Yeah, I've got to run about this, what happened. This is why we need this, then you can give me the last if you really need to. If, if you could wake up with a lifetime supply of any snack, what would it be? Oh, great question. Um, there's three. No, I know you're not saying, but I would struggle to choose between these three things or four things. Shit, you put me on the spot now. What do you define as a snack, first of all? Were you talking just like your sort of crisps, or can I go Yeah, yeah, not, nothing significant. So, like, crisps, biscuits, like, yoghurt, that kind of thing. No, I can tell you, it's no yoghurt, because I'd be shitting no, myself. No, but, yeah, this um, is my... Uh... Mini pretzels. Oh, mini pretzels. Dry roasted Any... peanuts, but only the KP variety. Um, pork scratchings. Yeah. Probably the one I'd actually choose, so I've saved it till last, but I'm not 100% sure on it, would be my personal favourite crisp, and it would be Thai Sweet Chili Sensations. Okay. Do you like them uh, sour cream and chive pretzels? Never tried them, because I don't really like sour cream. Don't really like anything. What are the um, the only th- only sour cream ish flavored thing that I don't mind, and even then, meh, uh, are the chili and sour cream pills? Yeah, this is this is this is going to be grim. Not about to say, but um, th- those pretzels, um, what's what's quite nice is um, you know when you have Doritos and you you get like Big Al star, you get that. A little crust on your fingers after from uh, where you've been in the bag the whole time. Mm-hmm. Having that at the end of them pretzels, if if you're on your own and you take that off your fingers, it's beautiful. It really is. What, what would your choice be? 
Oh, I don't know because if I was going down, uh, so they have they have uh, this pudding, isn't it? So it's similar kind of way. So what I, what I've been loving is um, these custard slices you get Ooh. in in Tesco. Yeah, they're too basically fire. just yeah fire. Like, oh, they're so good. I get my mum gets me some every Saturday. I've actually had them the last two weeks. I said get me some today, and they just had cream slices, which. It's so gutting because I get in the fridge and I think that's what they are, and it's not. But I think if I had like a lifetime supply of them, I'd, I'd be well happy. Yeah, short lifetime. The mini trifles, I'd be yeah. Be well happy mini trifles, yeah. If you remember, you used to be a big fan of trifle. Yeah. Um, don't even don't even much of the talk these days of trifle. Um, I still have one on Christmas, but uh, yeah, I refrain from going to the shop. I don't go to the shop so much as the issue. I uh, ask my mum to pick it up when she goes to Tesco, save me some cash. Um, um, what was the other one? That you, uh, cheesecake would, uh, it would be. Yeah. I don't know what, like my grand used to, my grand many years ago, bless him, used to buy, buy a blackcurrant cheesecake. And fuck me, it was just, I think about these. I've never liked blackcurrant. Oh, I love it. But, he used to buy me these, not even Ribena, they're like in a bottle. No, no, squash. I used to be a nightmare at uh, your Bentham birthday parties. No, it's like, not, not, not squash, not squash Ribena. Ribena. No, no, not squash Ribena. No, like... I don't even like black carrot Ribena. Like if I have Ribena, oh. I think the strawberry one's the best. No, not for me. Um, but yeah, he used to buy this black currant cheese, cheesecake and he, no, it's like genuinely, I think about it now, it's the reason I was like fucking 14 stone at the age of 13. <laughs> She used to cut me off about a third of it and go, yeah, I'm And it used to be about three times a week. Oh, red on. When I, when I worked at the, at the co-op, um, I would, and I would see um, like a cherry pie be reduced to like 50p as I was going to be leaving. I, I would get one of them and I would get a whole carton of custard, essentially like pour the old carton on. And slice the pie up so it was just kind of fit in one dish and just go to town, get it in the microwave. But again, you'll hate that. I, I like cold pie. Uh, I like hot pie, cold custard. Uh, I, I'll take. I will eat custard hot or cold, mate. I'll eat. I will take. I would I take like, it. I like the contrast. I would take it out of the carton or the tin. I'll eat it out of the tin. It doesn't matter. If I'm eating it out of the tin, I will. I would take the tin off of the tin over and get a big spoon. Yeah. And I would just yeah. eat it on its own. There, oh, there's no, there's no better custard than um, Ambrosia. The, the 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 Jane Jane's Pantry like thick custard they have on there like custard donuts, not the where it's custard inside the donut, but like an eclair, but they have that like thick yellow custard on top. I've never tried that. It, it, I, I usually, if I got a day off my birthday, I'll go to get some sausage rolls from Jane's Pantry and uh, two of them custard donuts. The first year we were in, in lockdown, I had my day off for my birthday. It was a Friday. Mm. And I got um, two James Pantry sausage rolls for my lunch, two of them uh, custard donuts. And I had a Domino's for my tea. And there was, a, there was a UFC show on the Friday night. All these people texting me saying, like, I'm oh, sorry you have to have your birthday in, uh, in lockdown. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and I was like, they all said, like, this is the best birthday I've ever having. Just shedding a tear. Glass day. <laughs> shedding a tear whilst smashing up the, the pepperoni yeah, passion. I had uh, a great day. No, it's very, um, it's very nice. Very, very sweet story, actually, boy. I yeah. quite like that. So, yeah, them donuts, uh, they're so good. Um, well, I, was, I had some more questions for you. Um, 
Okay, so this really, if you if you don't like the film, um, it could be interesting. But if you answer this with an open mind, um, some say, "Dude, where's my car?" Walked so the hangover could run. What are your thoughts? That's hideous. <laughs> I didn't make that up, by the way. I, I did genuinely see. Um, I did see that written, and there's accusations that the hangover takes a lot from "Dude, where's my car?" I mean, in the same way it takes from the Guy Pearce film, uh, Memento. It's about insomnia. It's about amnesia, for a start. Digging um, in their pockets, and they have, that's where they get their little clues for um, how the night goes. And... No. No. Not giving it any props. Any no. props. No, Mr. Superman, Gosh. not here. Um, are you, I mean, are you on board with that? I can like if someone made the case to me passionately, I can see certain areas where I'm like, as we as all great films, they've kind of seen something that worked well and they borrowed it. I think whoever wrote the script for this, I think if we asked if they seen Dude Where's My Car, they've definitely at least seen it. Whether it's conscious or subconscious, there's just a, a couple of little bits in there I think that uh, they've taken. Okay. The last one I had, so Danny Lehner, um, unfortunately, um, not with us anymore, goes on to make Harold and Kumar four years later. What do you think he learned from this film that went into making Harold and Kumar that obviously was more successful? He refined it. Because I said this, this is basically just a budget Harold and Kumar. After this, they gave him more money. He took out the aliens, banged in a cheater and Neil Patrick Harris, and there you go. Do you think some of it, though, do you think... Um, I think part of it is learnt, and not even has to be exclusive to kind of that film, as if it's a one-off, but just the fact that he's worked on it. I guess he's seen that this film's only going to be as successful as if you have the chemistry between your two lead guys, and that's the biggest I mean, compliment that, is... that you give Harold and Kumar is the two guys are believable friends. They haven't just picked... I, I don't think he... Been. I don't think he learned that from this. I think mean, buddy comedies are as old as yeah, I mean, the, the old, the old couple, etc., etc. Like it is as old as old as it can be. I mean, it, it, that is that's well well established. I don't think he would have learned a lot from that already. I think he would have learned more going into making this of that than afterwards. The the stoner element. Do you think any of the fact that weed is so prevalent in Harold and Kumar? Do you think any of that comes from the fact that it isn't in this, or do you think that hasn't even gone into his thinking? Was that? I mean, I my only because, question is to answer that. The only I'm sorry to answer it with a question with a question, but do you know? Was there any other than the point we raised or you raised saying that even for a stoner film, there's no weed? Was that an issue for people? If it was not, an issue, not as any, far as I could tell, but. I, well, so I, I, I don't know if there was a problem. If he, if there was a problem, people thought, "Oh, well, it's no. supposed to be a stoner film," and there was. I hadn't even thought about it until I saw it written today. Uh, no, I did. But again, this is about the night after Harold and Kumar. I suppose is about the night before. The night before, if you going into the day after, and obviously this is about the day after coming from the night before. So it's two sides yeah. of the same coin, isn't it? You could do. Guantanamo Bay is their version of it. Harold and Kumar go to Guantanamo yeah. is their version of this film. They come back yeah. from all that. He packs a suitcase. We're off to Amsterdam. And he goes from there. So the second one is their version of this film. 
I guess what I would say is um, as much as weed is obviously a far bigger theme in Harold and Kumar, they never make it more of a thing than Harold and Kumar. And you've seen other stoner comedies before where like weed is almost like the first name on the poster and then the rest of it is like whichever other guys you've got alongside. And so whether he took that from this that you can have a stoner comedy without it being like needing to be in every scene or needing the whole thing to do, it just kind of helps it fit into that genre and get that audience there. It works quite nicely going on. I guess part of what he may have seen was successful was the runtime and what you can do with an hour and I think you've got about 10 more minutes in Harold and Kumar, but what you can do with that, I think you summed it up quite nicely. You said it's, it's just a more refined version. You, the, um, he does have the option to have more human development in this as well, because there isn't as much going on. Like the first Harold and Kumar is quite literally, we're two friends. One's having a rough day at work. One of them doesn't work. Let's have them go on a road trip and see where we end up. This one, the fact that I guess the aliens are probably when you're doing your storyboard or your brainstorm at the start, that's probably within the, one of the first things you have. That's probably because it features so heavily. It's like we've got these two guys, something happens the night before, alien, they got this alien thing or whatever. That's probably, that's not like a thing you've kind of, they've snuck in at the end. And so they do have a lot more room in Harold and Kumar to play with because they're not tied in with that. And it just runs a lot smoother. Like it feels like a nicely flowing thing rather than like yeah. Um, I mean the Monday Night Raw where we've got to get this scene in, this here, this scene in, this here. Like it is it, it flows smoothly. Harold and Kumar. This this might be my issue. This might be my thing. Um, and the, I might I might well be wrong. But Harold and Kumar start off with more. So you see, even though you see five minutes yeah. or five minutes of the medical interview, but they start off with more as characters. But again, that's because you build through the and through the film, you build through the day with them. Whereas in uh, Dude Wears My Car, forgot the name of the film we were talking about. In Dude, <laughs> sorry, yeah, in Dude Wears My Car, that you're you, you're already after the fact essentially. Everything that happens is because of something that's already happened, and it's to do with a flashback. And you you yeah. so you start you start with less. They also um, he's kind of got his stupid out of the way here, like. Harold and Kumar, one of the, the main things that we spoke about when we did it was just how intelligent some of the humour is in it for a stoner comedy. And that was one of the things that made it so successful is that some of it was a lot more subtle and some of it kind of appealed to an audience above what you would put in with watch this when you're high and just have some cheap laughs. This isn't that. So it's like, right, we've done the one thing, now let's let's, let's do the other. He may not even have had a second thought about Harry and Kumar. I just thought it's interesting where you see the one and then you see the other that he has to have yeah, learned it, some things along the way. Yeah, no, I, I, I there must have been things he's, ta- he's taken. And you are right. I did, I, like, I, stupid was basically where I was going with sort of you've got more to the characters. These two are just yeah, thick as I don't even think that's in, like, a bad thing. Like They're not trying to make this an intelligent film. Like. No, no, they're not. And they're not trying to make these intelligent they're not trying to make no. them intelligent characters, which is fine. There's no issue with that at all. But in terms of 
Harold and Kumar, you get more from them because there's more to them. You get in what you you take out what you put in, essentially. Yeah, I, I saw, and this may tie in because I, I've not seen the film, but I know your thoughts on it, so it could add in nicely. I saw a review that said this was kind of trying to pick up what Wayne's World had put down and then carry on running, and it's like they tripped up when they're kind of when they've been past the baton in the relay. I promise the people who listen to this podcast, I do actually like quite a lot of films. I love cinema, but I, for the record, I don't like Wayne's World. Um, and so that's what they said. They said this, this rather than try and be a new thing, it kind of tried to go down the same way, like in the same way that Wayne's World tried to pick up what Bill and Ted put down. It's yeah. tried to pick up what Wayne's World had put down and it just doesn't quite have the same charm to it. I, I, like, I like it. It's easy. It's easy watch. I mean, I'm not going to watch it the same way that I watched the other film that like Harold and Kumar, like, uh, Harold and Kumar's in my top three most watched ever. This oh, no, you're a big fan. Certainly, this certainly isn't in there, but there we go. Mm. When you look at the soundtrack of Harold and Kumar, he at least was consistent with that, wasn't he? Because the soundtrack for this film, like, wouldn't it's it have place as an American Pie soundtrack, some of the songs? Like, Little Things by Good Charlotte. If you had played that song and said, right, which film is that a part of? Like, you, You'd think an American Pie somewhere? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple that you could throw into that mix as well, to be fair. Yeah, you got some 41 in there. Yeah, plenty kind of pop punky. Mm, that's um, the word I was looking for. Yeah. If we go through the categories, um, if we do Dude, Where's My Car first, then we'll go back to uh, Jurassic Park as, as we do the judgment. So um, the quotes from Dude, Where's My Car, the tattoos I think we've covered, I've covered the and then. Um, I quite enjoyed the, the honourable um, stupid as it is, stupid as it is, it did make me chuckle. Um, where he's got him locked up and he's gone, I, 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 thankfully I'm an honourable man. And he's gone, are you trying to say honourable? It did make me laugh. Man, I think it's just because the guy's French and he's taken a gamble that most people will find that funny. Yeah. A trained dolphin could do a better job than you two, but then the pizzas would get all wet. Them calling an ostrich a llama. I said the son, saying, I want to go on that ride, daddy. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, the 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 women do make me will give you great pleasure. Um, just just is odd, so weird. Uh, Zoltan as well. Um, yeah, so, my name is Zarnoff. This is Zabu Zelnor, Zelbor, Zarmina, and Jeff. And him saying hello. And then Jeff is what popped into my head straight away. <laughs> them calling the Dalai Lama a uh, word that rhymes with mag in this. Not sure you're getting away with that today. No, rough. Um, I don't think you get to put. I don't think you get to include that today. Um, dude, this is an emergency. So is this dude? It's a breakdown. So it's dripper emergency. <laughs> um, how wasted were we last night? Well, I touched Christy Boner's hoo hoo. We're on the hook for two hundred thousand dollars for his transsexual stripper, and my car's gone. I'd say we were pretty wasted. Yeah, so what are Him asking the the dog smoking wasn't enough. He says, "Can he also bong a beer?" <laughs> he says, "No, he does. He pretty much lie around and smoke his pipe, <laughs> like it's the most normal thing in the world." <laughs> that close up of of the dog's stone face, I completely forgot. And uh, 
not a great endorsement for the film, but I tried watching this on Monday night um, and I did fall asleep right around the point of where I said it goes downhill. But rather than kind of just restart there, I, I did watch the entire film again on uh, Tuesday. I did know. I actually sat through this in one sitting. Jurassic Park, yeah. my horse, I broke up, but I sat through this in one go. There is a luxury to it being 83 minutes long, no matter how yeah, yeah. how long those 83 minutes feel in reality. It's, <laughs> it's only eight, excuse me, 83 minutes. Did it feel longer than Taken for you? I know that's your usual go-to. Mm. No, but God of life. Still don't understand that. Um, I, I, are you, you assume that I hate the film. I'm not saying I. Hate no, no. I just, I think I like that's one it. of the like in terms of films that don't feel their runtime. That would be right up there for me. Uh, maybe, um, maybe it did at a time, but when I rewatched it for the pod, yeah, that was a that was a journey. Who's the MVP of this film? It, unfortunately, you, I can't split it. I, but I was strangely leaning towards Ashton Kutcher. I was leaning the other way, and I guess that is the beauty of the film. Something, and I don't think you'll be rewatching it again, but if there's a position where it's on, you can't find the remote, and you're kind of stuck with it on the screen, um, one of the things that you kind of get once, I say like you're concentrating live and to pick up every detail, but some of the work that Sean William Scott does just in his kind of reactions behind Ashton Kutcher throughout the whole film is great, particularly in the and then scene, his his reactions gradually as he's getting more and more worked up are great. Um, best side character in this film, Keenan? Uh, I, Officer Rick. Not Jeff? No, I like Officer Rick, as stupid as he is. Don't mind the twins either. No? Is that just because of Jennifer Garner? Uh, a lot of it is because of Jennifer Garner. It's probably my favourite thing about this film. Um, and quotes for um, Jurassic Park before we go on to the judging. Um, all major theme parks have delays when they opened Disneyland in 1956. Nothing worked. But John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the Pirates don't eat the tourists. Lovely little tie into last week. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I do. Yeah. I do, do, did like that. God creates dinosaurs. Uh, God creates man, man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs, dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. Harry Sattler. You crazy son of a bitch, you did it. Uh, He sees the dinosaurs. After careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your part. (laughs) So so have I. Um, I'm always on the lookout for a future future ex-Mrs. Malcolm. Mm. Uh, Remind me to thank John for the wonderful weekend. They have a comment in this where um, Gennaro says we can charge anything we want, 2000 a day, 10000 a day, and people will pay it. And then there's the merchandise. This is another one, and I, I meant to touch on this earlier, much like Toy Story, where they really did go into this, like the merch mm. was a big thing. They have that shot, don't they, where they show like what's the, meant to be the gift store, and they have all of the T-shirts and uh, like the baby grows and things which they then go on to sell. Like that's literally just their advert that they have in the film just to try and sell these things moving on. And obviously they did sell very well and they still sell. Mm, yeah, it's nice product placement for your own film. It's pretty, pretty, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's not so much a quotable film, is it, as kind no. of a, put it in front of your eyes. Something I, I did have down, I meant to say, was um, about other 
dino shows and uh, films and things. I, I didn't have a TV in my room that I could watch TV on. Like I had a PlayStation, I could watch DVDs, but like not like a cable box until I was in sick form. And so some of the stuff you'd see on ITV, et cetera, on a Saturday night, me and my brothers would have to agree. And there was one that always jumps out to me because the concept was quite cool. And it was called Prehistoric Park, I believe. And essentially it was like, as it says on the tin, a safari guy and he would take you through this certain place with uh, like dinosaurs and things and he would go through and obviously something would go wrong it was essentially like the view as if you were in the jeep kind of thing going through and you'd see some of the cool dinosaurs on the way some as if it was like a nature documentary but but not um it did get very predictable like you would see in like there's gonna be a fire here and they'd have to run away to get out the end but it was just a nice little easy viewing and there was a show called primeval which uh went on for a while there was a similar thing had the short aired one oh, I seven. yeah my brother's you my little brother's yeah. used, to watch that. used to be on itv um yeah i've been trying to think of the film and the only way i can describe it is do you remember the film ants yep it's about dinosaurs and it's animated in almost the same way and i cannot remember what it's called no i would have said i would have told you land before time was animated dinosaurs, no that's, that be, that's the, be um, it for me that was the very much more kids one. No, no, this was a this was a kids film. Oh, oh um, it, no, no, oh, no, it was actually just called Dinosaur. Uh, oh, okay, uh, yeah, and it ends up with like they you see the the meet the meteor. Um, okay, that was that was good. Who was in that? Anyone that you really know? Um, Hayden Panettiere was in it. Hmm. What's she got? Taken apart by Vlad Klitschko. <laughs> Let's get on to the judging, and then we just got a couple more bits to do. Um, which did you prefer? Jurassic Park. I, I, I didn't prefer Dude, where's my car? Um, rewatchability. Solely on the basis of actual time. Which I know is your big thing, and it's normally not mine. But I, I'm not a great lover of either of these films. Uh, Dude, where's my car? Because it, no, as I've just said, no matter how long yeah. 83 minutes feels, <laughs> it is only 83 minutes. All right, best moment slash scene. Where where the T the T Rex introduction, or the the T Rex breaking loose to be more accurate. Um, I'm 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 on the tattoo scene, so okay, um, that's that's the one for me. Um, so. There we go. Let's keep this up to date. All right, best quote. Um, dude, where's my car? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. MVP, John Hammond. I think I was actually going to go for uh, the mum in this one because I actually think she actually takes on more dinosaurs than anyone else. Mine is purely she from a pop, then she plot point of view. None of it happens without John Hammond. I guess we're agreed on uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, but yeah, I tell you, it wouldn't be even the kids they would do my idea. Um, best side character. Uh, can I go Goldblum? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you. Nice. Um, difficulty of adventure. Oh, I'd say escaping dinosaurs as opposed to <laughs> the, the the difficulty of dude wears my car. Probably depends on how easily you do a Rubik's cube. That's true. I'd be fine. I don't. I 
Yeah, same. Um, but I'm also not backing myself to get away from dinosaurs either. No, that's true. I'd have an easier day trying to solve a Rubik's Cube than outrun a Velociraptor. Yeah. Um, visual appeal. Jurassic Park. Uh, best soundtrack. Dude, where's my car? Originality. Jurassic Park. I'm going, dude, where's my car on this one? Stolen movies at this point are much of a muchness, mate. They usually don't have aliens. The character's not smoking a transsexual stripper. I mean, in terms of originality, this is like a randomly generated things that they've had to squeeze into a film. Was uh, my thinking, but I do uh, also see both sides. Um, Bigger impact. Jurassic Park. (laughs) Um, Best opening scene. Jurassic Park. I'm dude, where's my car for this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, best ending. Um, Jurassic Park. They both end on a they both end on a similar tone, don't they? They both get get what they're at or get your happy-ish yeah, ending I, or happy ending. I expressed my thoughts on the Jurassic Park ending earlier. Mm. Not for me. Um, and then finally, uh, which film has the better chemistry? Dude, where's my car? Yep. Great. So I'll just tally that up. So it's 5-4 to Jurassic Park. So probably the right winner overall. Uh, Yeah, at least that's not not one of our worst takes anyway. I'll just uh, add that in. Now, did you say that you're not available next week? Or are you more available now that you're unfortunately not going to be out all week? Uh, I mean, I might just go wild on the Thursday night. Celebrate my freedom on the Thursday night. T- yeah. t- disrespect. Well, you're you're at work Friday, aren't you? Not this way. I might go. I might go in Wednesday. Take Friday off. Will you be allowed in Wednesday? Uh, no, but I could uh, WFH it, and then I've I've got it booked off at the moment because um, I was supposed to be going out Tuesday for the England game. Yeah, that's my thinking. Um, so I, th- I thought you might be <laughs> you might be free. Uh, I would have been free. Thursday, oh right? no, yeah. Sorry, I remember why. Um, yeah, no, my issue was not being able to watch the film, mate. Yeah, um, and I thought that. No, yeah, no, you're, you're completely on. correct. I've yeah, I've, I have nothing but time on my hands. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So I'll pencil you in. Um, mm. What are we doing next week? Saving Private Ryan. Oh fuck me, maybe I haven't got that much time. Uh, Stella. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe I haven't got that first time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long week. Mm. Um, there you go. It might be, there's there's no um, early kickoffs next week in terms of 2 pm, so you'll be set in that sense. Give you some nice daytime watches for you. When does yeah, your right. self isolation end? Uh, 23 minutes past nine next one, sir. 23 minutes past, 59 minutes past 11, sorry, 23 59. Maybe on the Tuesday we we can put the film on at the same time and pretend, pretend as if we're both watching. Uh, what one of these two? It would be, be the Wednesday, mate, wouldn't it? England um, would be playing I'm, Tuesday. I'm, yeah, the evening. I'm in the day. I'm off. All, I'm off in the day. Oh, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make your point. Wednesday. Um, so Jurassic Park will face the winner of those two. Um, how much percentage? Do you have um, just do you have, do we have time to do the last points to consider? Oh, yeah, we've actually got a little. We've got a little while down to wait. So, um, all right. So, real star of the film for Jurassic Park. Dare you say it's Jeff Goldblum? Oh, I think as he much as uh, 
other than the dinosaurs, he's probably the first thing I think of. Well, yeah, when I thought about it, I, I just kind of assumed that the kids would be his when like it kind of loaded up and I started watching again because I remembered his face being in it. I knew him being in the film. Mm. Um, so, uh, dude, dude, where's my cut? I don't think you, you come out as we kind of covered thinking that either Ashton Kutcher or Sean William Scott are more of a star than each other off the back of no. the film, do you? No. I think you um, just might have a personal preference like I, I learned one way you learned other. Yeah. Recasting one role. Hmm. Um one role. I do like the idea of Sandra Bullock in Jurassic Park, I must admit. I'm very much back on the Sandy Sandra Bullock wagon following us at watching speed. Yeah, I'm just trying to Dude, where's See, my I'll, car? I'll, Give me I'll go with you the first name that came into my head for Jurassic Park. Okay. Is Alicia Silverstone too young to play that role? Oh, she can't be far off doing Bewitched, right? No clue. I don't think so. I mean, she plays a young character in Bewitched, but I'm just thinking about how old she is in that film. Yes, is my sure. answer. Even if you're going down the Sandra Bullock role, Julia Roberts probably fits in the exact same way. Nice. So. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Maybe a bit um, too much of a star at that point, Julia, is the only yeah. thing you'd say. That hasn't stopped us before with these. No, that's true. Recasting for Dude, Where's My Car? Give me Buscemi as Zoltan. Okay, I like that. I like that. I was going far. I was just going more practical and I was going to give the, the cheeky girls an early break and they could be the twins. <laughs> My man, Lemmick Olcan. Yeah. If you had to add either Hayden Christensen or Christian Slater to the film, which would it be? Uh, I feel I, I go Christian Slater in Dude, Where's My Car? Oh, okay. What's I just he doing I, for I, I think I don't really know. I just mm-hmm. even just from True Romance, I, I can see him having a more playful side than we haven't really seen that from Hayden Christensen. Like, he can, maybe Hayden Christensen is one of the Norwegians, so. Yeah, Maybe he can do that if he's got an accent in the locker. I doubt it. Um, if you had to add Harrison Ford or Paul Rudd to the film, which would it be? Harrison Ford and Dude Where's My Car would be something else. Fucking phenomenal. I don't even know where he is. <laughs> Just him bumping into those two would be unbelievable. Um, see, if Paul Rudd's the easy match in there, I think. Yeah, that is true. But, I mean, you can put Paul Rudd in most and I'd be quite yeah. happy with it. Which low-key piece of memorabilia would you take from the movie? Uh, that's a good question. Part of me wants to say the blue tracksuit. But it's also okay. shocking because I could actually just... I could buy one as we're talking right now. Um, so... you, take that, you take that breast enhancement necklace. Yeah, that's a very nice, very good choice. If she gives uh, me a 10% cut, I help Kira Knightley crack America with that. <laughs> Yeah, as we know, that was a real drawback. So yeah, she really struggled with that, and it gets me into the business as an agent. Yeah, the more I think about it, the worse it is because she is phenomenal. Like not only is she not only is she gorgeous, she's actually like I actually like her in everything I've ever seen her in. Um, so it's nuts that that's the reason that's the reason she falls away. We'll each take we'll each take five percent. Yeah, we'll go into business. We'll become the new next Harry Gold. You can be my Lloyd. And then we, let's, let's not go too far, but mm. I think uh, 
we we compile a roster of uh, we have we have Seth Green. <laughs> we get Rex Ryan on the books just for the sake of it. <laughs> Tony Orlando is on there with us. Big man sound. Shout out. We have the best roster in Hollywood. And finally, uh, if you had to make a spin-off TV series in the world of one of the films, which would it be? Do you know, for all I've said, give me Dude, Where's My Car? You could probably do more of that as a TV show, to be fair. If your memories just get wiped at the end of each one, that's an easy way to do it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, it's the rest, I don't mind those two. So I would probably no. I would watch them in something else together, and if it was a TV show, great. So so be it. I would would probably watch that. Yeah, I mean you could. Right. I'd be shocking to say, but you could probably just call the dude. Where's my dot dot dot? And you've just gone chasing yeah. after shit for ten sure. episodes. Yeah. Um. Well, there we go. That is uh, things come to an end. Two hours fifteen minutes still of uh, just us. So we did have a lot of tangents. So if Fast and Furious want to sponsor the pod in future. We'll take out the negative bits and uh, just have me <laughs> praising it. Or maybe one of these food places want to get in touch. If custard, if we could get sponsored by Custard Slices moving forward. We'd both James be happy. James yes. Pantry, please hit us up. <laughs> I hear great things. There we go. Um, as I said, next week, Saving Private Ryan versus Interstellar. We'll uh, wish Keenan a pleasant time in the house. And... Uh, it is actually self-isolation don't worry people I'm not under house arrest um, <laughs> well, we said at the start we, we broke it down I know but people might have forgotten not, yeah, nice, to remind, it's not, nice to remind them I'm not on tag um, <laughs> no that's just why uh, Sean and Jack can't be here today their <laughs> curfew started a bit later than usual they got the old Jermaine Pennant exactly oh I randomly, this is just a quick. I was uh, walking down from work yesterday. I saw some lad run past me, um, and he, uh, it was because he had a tag on. And I looked at the time, and I was like, <laughs> he, "He's got to be quick to be that guy." Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. All right. On that note, thank you for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>